I just made food. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess I'll just I don't know. I was trying no, to eat off camera, but eat. I mean, no, go, go ahead. Nobody nobody cares if you're eating. <laughs> okay, cool. Hey dog. Hey Ron. Guys. Yes. How's it going? You guys didn't catch it, but Domorado isn't going to be joining because he uh, he really severely hurt his neck and uh, he can't sit upright right now. Uh, so is he okay? He says that he's done it before and he didn't really know why it is. And he just he just had to be like really stiff and was like it, he said it was worse on Thursday. And that, uh, yeah, he, he was just here like literally like two minutes ago, right before you guys joined. And mm. yeah, just wished us uh, well. So <laughs> was that the first or second arrow? I guess we can talk about that a little bit. I know there's like do you do you know what teaching I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I, I really like that one. Yeah. Do you guys all know that one? No. I have so, no idea what you're talking about. Go, go ahead, you can explain it, Brandon. Oh, well, I forget which is which, but basically there's one arrow that's like a mental arrow that we remove with practice, but the physical arrow or just, you know, what we have to endure by being, you know, physical beings in this life like there are things that are going to come along with that, such as our body decaying and, you know, it's not going to last forever. Um, I think where I was reading about it, and I don't know if this is all like in the sutta or whatever that it comes from. I'm assuming it it's in comes a lot. From it's sutta. in a lot. Of, it's in a lot of different suttas. OK, well, uh, there one context that I heard it in was basically like someone got shot with an arrow and they're like not wanting to get treated until they understand everything about what's happening like from the doctor or something now this is probably like some like commentary added on like later by the person who was writing the book that i was reading but it does kind of go along with practice in the sense that like everybody wants to know well what you know what's it going to be like when i'm enlightened or where what are all the details now rather than like wanting to practice and like try to work to get the arrow out of yourself you're trying to figure out everything about what it's going to be like to have the arrow out and it's like no just like get the arrow out first and then we can talk about that stuff yeah it's like one perspective of it but I forget. Do you remember, Joe? Which is like which is the first yeah, yeah. arrow I mean, I, versus yeah, the I, second? Yeah, I'm really, yeah, I'm really familiar. With, I've heard the story a million times. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Uh, and is what I described in a sutta. Have you heard that, or was that from I the have author? Heard, I have heard that. That might be from before, the author but, that I, I was reading. He might have made have that heard, up himself. Yeah, I have heard something like sim similar to that uh, sort of thing, and. Yeah, I've, I've heard it so many times now that it's, it's kind of hard to differentiate where I've heard what. But basically, the one that I really like that relates to my practice the best is like just not taking the second arrow in the first place. You know, so the, the first arrow of, of physical yeah. of physical pain, uh, there's not much that you can do about that, that that things are just going to happen to you in the world. There, there's there's no stopping it and and hoping there's going to be a day when things stop happening to us is just it's just not it's not reality that's not on what the reality physical is level at least yeah on the right. physical on the physical level but how we relate to that happening to us that's what we can change and when we relate to it in a negative way and think 
oh no, poor me, not me again. That's us shoving a second arrow into the same wound uh, on, into ourselves. And to prevent that is just to view like the reality of it and just do the best that we can in the moment. So like when you're having physical pain, I, I know a lot of practitioners who are like, I can deal with mental pain, but I can't deal with physical pain. And what they really are meaning is that they can't uh, eliminate the physical pain, which is, of course, true. You know, if you have strong enough physical pain, there's not really that much that you can do about it. But how you relate to that pain, you can definitely change and you can definitely take the attitude of like, oh, I'm going to take and care it, of myself right now. And uh, in a sense, yeah. it will become less physically painful, I would say, from yes. my experience, too. Like it does lessen the pain. And sometimes I've noticed Definitely. even even the ability to directly be with the pain and look at it sometimes lessens it rather than we're always trying to make it like the the background of our awareness. But then it kind of in my experience, sometimes that like rebounds and we're, it makes it worse. Like you're trying to well, push it away all the time. I don't know. I think it's just important sit there to be, and be with the sensations. I'm sorry. What would you say? As a, I think it's important to be equanimous with the pain when it comes up. You know, it's yeah. it's part of the the duality of experience. And I feel like a misconception that a lot of people have is, you know, they're they're doing this to feel good and to not feel that pain. But right. the the truth of the matter is, the purpose is to to feel it completely. Right. And also, I just want to say, you guys all have amazing beards. <laughs> oh well hey man you're getting started Nothing yeah, i'm getting there i, mean, I, I don't think <laughs> I, when time. i was when i was 18 there's no way i could have had a beard like you yeah you're so. only 18 yeah, i couldn't have grown my beard like that when i was 18 uh, i'm 19 i'm 19 or, or night or 19 i wonder if there's yeah. any correlation between the spiritual path and facial hair <laughs> Well, I think the Sikhs and maybe the Hindus would uh, have some things to say on that. I don't know how much the, the Buddhist line of thinking cares or, or has ideas about it, but... With great beard comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> so what one thing, yeah, that about the, the, the extra pain thing is that, like, yeah, it's definitely that the pain is reduced, but I think... I mean, I've talked to so many different practitioners who have this thing in their head where they're just like, they're expecting it to be eliminated, like completely at some point. And like, that's just, that's just like not realistic, you know? I well, mean, sure, like maybe you can get some really, really positive emotions that can replicate like a painkiller, but like there's still going to be the physical sensations that are there uh on I some on some level and how you're relating to it can change but i think that's your perspective oh sorry uh do you want to go ahead go ahead. Uh, no you're good we were go okay ahead, i was gonna say this kind of forces us now to think about or at least if we want to i mean the conversation is kind of going here what's the difference between pain and suffering i've heard one person give and I kind of like this definition, suffering is like physical pain or whatever. It's like the multiplier on top of that. So when you don't have, when you don't have that, those extra lenses of certain identity views and paradigms and everything on top of your 
you know, experience, which is pretty much inescapable right here and now, when you don't have all those lenses on top of things, that's like what the suffering is, is it's those lenses of kind of perception and our ideas that get baked into our experience that multiply what the pain is. And it's like, we can take those away, but we can't take sensations away unless we're yeah. in, you know, what some people call neurotis homopathy. That's like the only thing I can think of that there would right. be, you know, a way yes, to get out of the pain it. completely. I, and I don't know how true this is, but I, I read somewhere that the, the Buddha even said about neurotis homopathy, this is the only way that I can get away from basically the physical pains of my body at this really old age. I'm assuming What's he that? said it close to the end of his life. I don't know I, where that quote came from or anything. So, um, you know, maybe don't take it too seriously, but I did hear that at least one at one point in time. But other than like that state, we're we're kind of stuck with it. What'd you say? I mean, I think simply what is put. Neurotis Sorry. Neurotis Yeah. What is it? Um, it's basically uh, it, it's a type of cessation. Uh, I don't if if you've heard of cessation. Um, it's uh, an, a rough English translation that I've heard for it is the cessation of perception and feeling. I think samapati, even as a word, some people have translated as having some relationship to attainments. It, it usually comes after, in the way that most people access it, 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 or at least I think the way that it's understood, like for it to be qualified as Naroda Samapati. It comes after going through the jhanas, the first four formed jhanas, and then the formless realms or jhanas, however you want to call them, you know, boundless space to boundless yeah. consciousness it's to nothingness it's, it's to neither seven, perception eight. nor non-perception. Yeah. And then after that, there's the possibility that someone can go from that to um, Naroda Samapati. It'll be a, a type of cessation where there's no experience for the person having so it. It's, it's basically just is the, the way you can jhana. think of it. Yeah, some people call it the ninth jhana too. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people don't call the formless realms jhanas at all, which is why I was using that name for it in the first place. Or else I would just say the ninth jhana. But a lot of people know it by that way too. Um, and it does come as a pretty, at least from what I've heard, it comes as a pretty natural uh, result of you know, going through the jhanas in order to the eighth. So that's why probably a lot of people call it a ninth jhana too. There's a lot of sort of like, uh, <clears throat> uh, mis like mysticism around it too. And a lot of relations to like, uh, like Hinduism. people saying you can stay in it for seven days straight and yeah. stuff like that. Like, and that you're you just going to, as a human, you would need yeah. water, you would think, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of the of the the reports of what was called like samadhi, like from people I don't know like Sadhguru or uh, Ramana Maharshi, where they reportedly kind of went into a, a non-responsive I don't know blissed out trance state for days and weeks on end. Yeah, it's it's precisely yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, people mystify it in a very similar way that you know I don't know if i've heard people 
talking about it. I, I've not heard of anyone these days claiming it to be no, there that that it can go on <laughs> for seven days at least, like like there, supposedly. There are people, yeah, there are people for sure. There's uh there's this really? one guy I saw. Yeah, there's this one wow. guy I saw on um Guru Viking. Uh, that he was pretty he was pretty cool, but some of the stuff that he said was a little bit uh. He, he was a student of Villa Villa Ramamsi or Villa Ramamsi. Um, no, he was an he was an Indian American man. Uh, I th- I think he was American, anyways. Uh, he, but yeah, I, I can look I can look it up really quick. But <clears throat> yeah, just just a lot of sort of like uh, he 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 actually was studied in Naroda Savapati in a medical setting. So in a medical mm-hmm. setting, they asked him to. Okay, we want you to go into Naroda Samampati and we're going to study all of your vital signs and scan your brain for eight hours. And then we're going to do it with you sleeping and compare the two. Um, and he discussed just, just because they were like, or they were like wanting to see what are you actually sleeping, you know, from a scientific perspective or whatever. Um, so kind of kind of interesting. It's it's this guy. It's Sidha Tales. Delson Armstrong is his name. Do you remember <laughs> what what they found with that? Uh, there were some slight differences. There were uh, one thing though was that like he thought that his heart would slow down a lot more than it did um, because he thought that it would be so faint that it would just almost not register. And that didn't actually happen, so he was a little bit surprised with that. Um, but yeah, he's an interesting guy. He's like 31 years old, and apparently he like studied all this stuff like at a very young age, uh, and studied with a lot of different like Hindu teachers in yoga, and then also studied under Bilaramams. I can't say that guy's name, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely kind of interesting to see because it's actually been a scientific study done on the state that he claims uh, that he says that he was able to do it for like four days in a cave somewhere. Um, so, which of course that's not verified anyway. When we right. have no way of knowing, but right, you know, yeah. maybe maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe he's not. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if, if it inspires, does it inspire people to practice? This is like the, the main question, you know, some people are inspired by these things. Uh, and depending on their cultural context and stuff, it can be inspiring, I think. Uh, other people, like if you come from a Western perspective, I mean, it's almost anti-inspiring for some people. Uh, yeah, things sound a bit too crazy. It makes people uh, get away from it. They're just like, oh, that's BS anyway. Let's move yeah. on to something real you know yeah so but Naroda Samapati is definitely something that rides that line of you know the like the lengths of it and stuff like how much you know how many of the stories we've heard are you know probably mystical oversellings of it versus how much of it is actually <clears throat> someone could actually do I mean you you don't really know very easily easiest no. way to know I guess is to get really good and do it yourself (laughs) it's just it's just never really interested me because uh it's it's also like inherently not necessarily um not necessarily going to change your life uh and yeah it's it's just it's just another sort of thing you know i i heard about it changing someone's life 
was um i i don't know maybe it was like kenneth folk or someone else maybe i don't know if it was him but like there was a story like his wife would say that he could fall asleep instantly so like somehow he found Mm -hmm. a way to like turn this on like right away when he needed to get sleep and he could sleep like immediately yeah (laughs) but i i still i still think it's interesting though this relation to physical pain that we have and i also think that some practitioners overestimate their uh relation to mental pain also because it's very easy to theoretically say what it would be like to be faced with various difficult mental situations but <clears throat> the actual reality of those situations doesn't occur so often. Um, and yeah, I think I think sometimes people overestimate their ability. Just because we've looked at death a bunch of times, it doesn't necessarily mean when death is staring us down in the face that we're like completely ready for it in that moment. <laughs> I mean, because honestly, we have I to think... remember we have to remember to look in that moment. If you don't remember, Anything you've done before that point, because we all we all forget. What, what if you just forget for like a couple of minutes or something, you know, like, and you're dead, like, Honestly, you know. I think going back to what Brandon was talking about earlier, you know, this ties into the the pain versus suffering argument, and I think simply put, it's just a matter of, you know, pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. Right. No matter what you do, you are going to experience pain as a human being. But the suffering comes in when you believe that you shouldn't be experiencing it or, you know, you start to imagine a time when you weren't and you tell yourself that your present moment could be better. And for uh, the death argument, what you were just talking about, Joe, I think uh, uh, one important thing uh, that needs to be realized about that is there is no such thing as not being ready for it. The only thing you're not ready for is the idea of it that you have in your head. You know, that's something I realized we don't know what death is. We don't know what it means. How can we be afraid of it? You know, we're only afraid of our conception of what it is, but even that is just a guess. You know, that's something that's helped me get over the, the physical pain aspect of it. You know, sometimes when you're experiencing a great physical pain or a mental pain, you start to get scared because, you know, you tell yourself, what if I'm going to die, you know, but one thing I came to realize while experiencing that was how do I know that this means death? How do I know what this entails? What's going to happen to me because of it? And I was realizing how my, my thoughts were kind of painting a picture and generating that, that fear and that suffering. Right. Because you only experience the moment before death. You don't actually experience. Exactly. That. Yeah. I just kind of was thinking about this because I was kind of deep in a hole the other day. I was I was digging a, a dry well and I was like, holy shit, if this like if the sides collapsed on me right now, w- would I be able to maintain my presence and like know that I'm going to be buried, be buried the alive? There, there would right. be no you maintaining it. The presence would would still be there. You just wouldn't be experiencing it. Can we talk a bit about um, like... No. I guess Damorado's idea of death, it seems like he's of a pretty firm uh, position that like after we die, there's there, there aren't like other rebirths and things like that. Yeah. At least that was I the think, impression that uh, I got. 
I think it's just once your brain stops fabricating reality, that's it. That sort of knowledge to any firm degree that isn't really just speculation, whether there is life after death or no no life after death. It's because you have to understand. We don't we don't have the data. We don't know which perspective is my. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say Domerado's perspective. It's based off emptiness and no self basically saying that there is inherently no individual self there's no soul so to speak you know there's nothing in you that is specific to you your body as a whole is just a part of nature with that being said when you die what happens is your brain stops fabricating reality and when your brain stops fabricating reality there stops being an experience for you to witness and it's just simple as that you know, once your brain yeah. stops fabricating reality, that's it. I mean, yeah, a, a part of that that I don't get is so we're just what, like, no self. And I forget the other thing you said. What What did you say? What was Empty. the other main term? And emptiness. Okay, so it's just no self and emptiness. The, but then somehow, in some random way, experience forms in your being. How in the hell can that not happen again is my question. I understand that there isn't necessarily any, or at least in theory, and from my experience, there isn't anything about my being and my experience that is eternal that's going to continue on. But my question is, how can this happen once, but it can't happen again? That doesn't make yeah, much sense to me. It happens all the time. Me. This experience yeah, yeah, that you're but experiencing I'm right how, now is just your brain our, fabricating reality. How can reality. experience not go into another experience after death? It's just not linked to this body. Well, each experience is its own. You know, you're you're not even the same person that you were yesterday. It just feels like that because you're used to your brain is used to waking up, seeing. Okay, so, you know, so that's fine with me. But body. where's the solidity to the argument that death? That, that there isn't another experience after physical death for a human being. I just don't get it. Science, dude. It's like, uh, so there's like science, uh, so there's like overwhelming scientific evidence that consciousness is produced by the brain and it's like an emergent property by the brain. It's just in spiritual circles, people decide that there's like an afterlife and the consciousness, the brain is in consciousness and stuff. And that's great. That's great philosophy. But the actual science says that, that consciousness is produced by the brain. So when the brain stops, consciousness stops. Okay, like yeah. well, 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 what I what I don't get is why couldn't there be another brain and another experience again, and then experience is back. Well, we won't there's say like you. We won't say right you. Now. We'll just say experience is occurring again. And yeah, then... there's four other brains where experience is occurring right now. Okay, so 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 what's the solidity to the argument that there isn't experience after death? Well, if all of you guys it. are having experience, somehow I tapped into this self-structure thing that's having experience out of emptiness well, no, and didn't. no self supposedly you have to and i'm going to emptiness no be, self what does it make me go to emptiness no self and then experience another experience again it doesn't make any sense to me on well, in any like on any ground i don't get it well, <laughs> how we can know what happens in order for there to be another experience there would have to be a separate self, an individual property that can experience that okay, again. Okay, so with scientific materialism, we all agree that you, unless you guys are solipsists, which maybe you are, I don't know, 
unless you're solipsis, not... we all agree that there are other beings right now. So why couldn't I just, you know, jump into one of those other being meat suits after I die? Because there is no you. I mean, there's no you. Who's if there's that? no me, then how am I not every single one of us right now experiencing through all? Of yeah, that's the whole point. That is, you are. Yeah, you're that, just asleep that, to it. That is exactly. Well, that's more Hindu, it, honestly. That's more Brahmin, you know, type of ideas. It's not really uh, lined up with Buddhism, but uh, it's just source consciousness that, that's just experiencing the itself. The only is the concept in your mind, but in reality, it's like we're all the same thing. We're all just part of the same consciousness. Okay, so you just have a concept. So am I just a part are. of your consciousness, even though I'm having my own conscious experience that has nothing to do with your consciousness right now? This is just force <laughs> consciousness experience. <laughs> I can't someone else take this one. Joe, go I, ahead. I, say, <clears throat> I just want to say that uh, I, I think the Buddha uh, expounds on this really well, and he mentions that specifically what we're struggling with right now uh, of everybody having their different opinions is why uh, he recommends this as not a subject not worthy of debate <laughs> and not worthy of speculation because well it you're, seems you're like it is only speculation i don't really care that much it to go in that in depth that much i just wanted to know if there was any solidity to domorado's stance and because, i mean yeah, the i haven't been convinced that, of there being it's any a hindrance it's a hinder it's a hindrance to the path it's a hindrance to speculate no 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 to, i get that it, yeah. it it being an imponderable i totally agree yeah. with that but yeah. but i don't get the idea that we're sure that there's nothing after this well i think i think the idea is based on him being a student of uh buddhadasa and buddhadasa seeing the very strong drawbacks of an entire society being stuck on one viewpoint and so he like, just decides, let's go to the other viewpoint, even though we're not 100% sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, well, just to I, counter, I, just to counter how far they were going. I mean, uh, I, I mean, that I think makes it might be the most, it might be the most cut out all the magical thing. stuff because it's against yeah. practice. That makes sense on a, pra on a practical level. I can agree with that. But as far it, as us knowing, I don't know. Thing. And dag, I, think, I don't think dag. that I don't think that I just want to say something that I don't think okay. that uh, that any that even Don Murado, from what I understand, would object to him doing that because he also I've heard him say, like, the whole Dalai Lama thing is completely made up uh, in order to have like a more uh, stable, believable society. Like he went through the whole story and okay. was like, was like, don't you think that they just pick some random kid? And we're like, hey, we'll train him in the very best way possible from a very young age with the best teachers. And then he's going to lead our society. Isn't that just a smart strategy? So I don't think that he would object to these sort of strategies. And like, if you're going to hold on to the strategy, you, you never can, can give up your strategy. You never can say, there's <laughs> yeah, no rebirth. But by the way, there, there might actually be rebirth. Like, you got to stay strong. Give up your strategy you whenever you want to. Your ego is just... <laughs> tied to the strategy <laughs> and he might and yeah and he he might depending on who he's talking to he might be talking to some like really scientific westerner and be like wow they're really stuck on their viewpoint i better like change up here you know <laughs> uh what do you have to say Dag? i see you have your uh yeah. hand raised yeah. thing on yeah um i can really relate to this contemplation of yours and um, I can also really relate to this this point coming to this point of like man this is this, is this actually unanswerable and un imponderable but that's where I feel I, with it like we just don't, you don't know yeah like 
there's well, not enough speak. data. You don't until you're at that moment. I feel like there's not enough data. Like until you've passed yeah. that threshold, which may not be a threshold to anything, and there's no more. I'm totally fine with that. I mean, that sounds like the minimal amount of suffering there ever could possibly be is no existence whatsoever. Sounds a lot yeah, less I, suffering than any heaven realm I can imagine. <laughs> and I've come, I've come to the, uh, to the, kind of conclusion or what my what the most probable thing for me is. I mean, remember, try to remember. I know it's not technically possible, but what was there before you were born? What's there mm-hmm. every night when you're in deep sleep? It's not something, but it's not technically nothing either. I would say those two states before one was born, before you saw the light of the world for the first time, and what happens when you're in deep sleep is as similar as we can even say. And so it, I I have no reason to, to believe that anything else happens when you close your eyes for the very last time. Um, so if there is something about us which does transcend death i'd say it's so utterly impersonal that to that it doesn't matter one bit yeah it doesn't matter what's continuing on because it it, yeah to say it's us doesn't even make sense right yeah so yeah so 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 for this particular life the result is the same but i also think it's it's highly likely that there's that there's an another even if you can even speak in chronological terms here um another experience after this but it doesn't matter because whatever happens right now will be completely irrelevant then <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like that i like that <laughs> that's I, the most probable think... thing i came up so so far <laughs> what what makes this life or we're living too i like that idea what what even makes that label make sense when you start to really get deep into things or or what about the dream character's brain does that not contain our whole experience within it as much as our whole experience contains the dream character's whole reality i don't know let's get back on to to practice based stuff <laughs> I, went, I had enough fun going I think, yeah, off, no, I think... off road for a while <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's interesting and you and you just have to look at this is like is this helping me to see into dukkha or not and I I think like I saw something really interesting the other day that sort of shook me up I was watching a, a Damarado video and uh, he mentioned sort of an alternative like uh, story of the Buddha's life in which uh, he didn't actually leave the palace uh, in the night leaving his family behind. But there's he's he found I guess there's some really this uh, Buddhist scholar that Damarado likes that did tons of research and found that the most likely scenario was the Buddha was actually kicked out of his kingdom uh, because of uh, some water disputes because there was some like drought or moving rivers or something like this and he got into an argument and was kicked out of the kingdom with uh, his spiritual advisor and a few other people in his entourage. And it was just sort of interesting because it sort of like kicked me out of my reality for a second that really holds on to this like strong view of like, okay, this is how it is. And this is, and this is how it is. And, and also as a Western practitioner, who's like, oh, the Buddha left his family and went off into this. 
So I, I must be able and allowed to do this. And what Domorado said about this is he's like, no, I mean, look at the Buddha's life. Uh, his wife and his son both became followers of him later. In reality, he came back to his family admitting that it probably was a bad choice leaving his family behind because like, like why else would you do that? You know? And I, it just sort of clicked in my mind of like, wow, I mean, there can be so many different teachings for that moment for whatever it is that we're getting stuck on in our head, whatever we're making permanent and making into a separate self. Like the, you, you have to have this, this just, yeah, whatever that is in that moment, it was really interesting anyways, but it just sort of related to this because I just think sometimes in my life, it's been inspiring to think that there's more than this. It's just like, it's, it lifts you up to heaven in a way, right. To just like, think, wow. Like, like think of like all of the effects of each of my actions and what that thing could have. And then other times it's like, I've needed to like be brought back to earth, brought back to reality, brought back to the sixth sense basis of what's actually happening right here and right now. Um, yeah. You know, materialism and the ideas like there's nothing after death like can be really grounding and help out a lot too yeah you know but if you're in like just some, not hold on to just not they, hold on to these views like like each view is to be like <laughs> like they ch they change and these are like these are these are like just yeah, mundane just views that can be changed your perspective or your interpretation right. of it as truth right which is very difficult to do because we are constantly uh, coming up with opinions and coming up with viewpoints and we can't see the reality that it's changing through time. Um, that even right now they're being shaped, you know? Yeah. I, well, I actually way earlier, I had a, I had a point where we were still at this physical pain versus suffering thing. I had a, an interesting point which could fit uh, to what Brandon said, uh, more practice, practice related stuff, um, which, which I thought was interesting. I mean, we know kind of that when we put our, put our attention and our presence onto what is going on mentally, it can have a healing effect. Uh, so why shouldn't it have one on, on physical pain as well? Why shouldn't unconditional presence and attention to wherever it's hurting facilitate healing on that level as well? And I could also imagine that the, 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 the decreasing of physical pain when you're really putting your attention on it simply has to do with uh, you're, when you're really completely focused on it, there's no there's there's less and less possibility for resistance so it might be that the resistance itself even amplifies the physical sensation of the pain and when we drop it it might decrease already this makes me think of the time that i had the most um like pain ever in my life i had gotten my foot cut by a lawnmower but that wasn't the most painful thing it was like two weeks afterwards I went to an appointment and they gave me lidocaine in my foot and What's I had that? an allergic react it's it's an anesthetic it's like a local anesthetic that gets like injected into the the site yeah. 
and I, I got that injected into my foot and then I was wearing this like large boot thing to kind of protect my foot and make it easier to walk like with the crutches. Ooh, and I thought that it was loose because I couldn't really feel my foot, but it felt loose. So I told the nurse or whatever to tighten it. And then I went home and I took a nap and then I woke up and it felt like my foot was like burning while simultaneously being like dipped in acid. And oh. like after like an hour of that happening, I just like let all resistance go and like it basically like said like, okay, if I die right here right now, I'm okay with it. And then like within like 30 seconds of really having that thought, like all of the pain in my body just disappeared and turned into this giant blissful experience, like nice. with no medication so or anything. So it's like, mm -hmm. if that's possible, is there not a way that someone could practice and really master this stuff enough to overcome a lot of the physical pains? I mean, I feel yeah, like definitely. that's possible, <clears throat> you know, it, how do as you long as you remember, that? that's probably pretty hard. That's probably takes a lot of mastery. As long as you remember and you trust your body too, because like, obviously if there's intense enough pain, I mean, I've had intense enough pain where I've fainted and that's, and that's obviously a complete relief. You know, your body is like taking care of itself at that point, And like, you just left. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, Oh, yeah, bad. so if your if your body if your body if your body faints and uh, like there's there's just nothing going on at that point, that's obviously like very relieving. Uh, and and it's I think if you remember, of course, like like these these extreme like like sensations especially can be uh, there's I, I mean I can remember like a lot of like really such intense pain. I had my appendix removed one time and like broke my arm and a few other things. Uh, and yeah, that sort of intense fun. pain is, it's almost easier to overcome because there's such a massive adrenaline rush in it and going on at the same time. I I've actually found it more difficult with the like recovering from surgery for like four weeks because the, the, men the mental uh, thing happening after a while uh, it's hard to keep up the the sort of attention the whole time. And I mean, at the time I was just a kid, so it's like, I, I think it'd be different now. Um, but keeping it up for a really long time, remembering, uh, I, I think is quite, is quite, you know, it's, that's all that it is. That's the, that's the whole thing is just remembering to look at it and take a different perspective on it. But yeah, just, I think just this, just this overriding opinion. I don't know. Whenever I meet practitioners, they, that have this sort of I can get over mental pain, but I can't get over physical pain thing. It's like maybe we I should look at that a little bit differently. The two I'm sorry, what you say? Coin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever find that um, there was something you mentioned, Joe, which was that um, the very intense physical pain is almost easier to overcome than like something minor, like just a cut or a scratch. Do you ever get that with like emotional? I think there's one example that gets quoted a lot, which is that, you know, we feel anxious all the time, but we're not running from a tiger. But I would argue that if I was running from a tiger, I wouldn't feel anxious uh, right. in a very uncomfortable sense. It would be just like a flow state where I'd just be focused yeah, on actually surviving. Like literally be flow I wouldn't state. give a shit about anxiety. <laughs> in that I, think, I definitely wouldn't be running for your life. life. 
I yeah, think yeah. most people get stuck in this sort of like, and, and this is how most people live their lives is in a state of mild sort of un, like unsatisfactoriness. It, you know? It's more <laughs> like, that feeling of the tigers yeah, around yeah. the corner than yeah, the tigers Yeah, but the thing right is, here. it's not even our fault. <laughs> you know, we have happiness. It's, uh, wait, here. Actually, I just recently read something about it. So it's basically like, you know, our brain is designed to keep us safe not happy you know happiness is just a human construct and it's an abstract idea with no actual like equivalent in human experience you know and in fact state of happiness is actually discouraged because when we're happy we're we're less aware of our environment we kind of let our guard down you know and it makes it easier for for threats to our survival to to take us you know what do you mean by there's no like happiness based in human experience or I forget how you worded it exactly. Well, I'm just basically saying that like our society has made happiness and positive thinking an idea that can be sustained throughout well, so did the Buddha, stimuli right? when in reality, like, you know, you're not always going to be happy. That's just how things are. And you know, it's not a shortcoming that demands repair. The the fluctuation. Well, you're not always you're not always going to have world. You're not always going to have worldly happiness, but you can relate to whatever's happening with a positive mindset. Uh, yeah, and it's different. The fluctuation Zuka. between happiness Zuka and Naruda. sadness is, in fact, what makes you human. Yeah, but you're right. There, there's an un- unrealistic expectation that someday. I'm going to have this solid state of happiness yeah, caused by my worldly conditions. When and that's... I'm going to create conditions for myself that are going to solidify this happiness. And again, exactly. it creates this separate self idea, you know, because you're like, I can solidly be happy, you know, and it's just uh, but, not true. What's, but what's, what's unfortunate is most people are solidly unhappy. They're solidly like going through life, slightly dissatisfied, and they get just enough stimulus to like not really wake up. Uh, and I, 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 there's an interesting story by a, a Buddhist monk that came from Thailand to uh, the United States for the first time. And he looked at the windows of the stores and the grocery stores filled with stuff. And he, he actually got quite sad at that moment. And he was like, oh, my God, nobody's going to wake up. And nobody's going to have any motivation to practice because things are it's so too good. easy. <laughs> it's too easy. It's too easy to be lost in delusion that you're going to have like this slight bit of delusion and you're you're not going to have the stimulus to wake up, you know, because it's yeah. it's easy. Like Robert said, it's it's very easy to wake up when the tiger's right there. It's a little bit harder to see that sort of unsatisfactoriness sneaking up on you, just slightly going through life, and you just you just have to catch it though. You just yeah, have to see my like, point with seeing all that it. is the unsatisfactory rises up it's not when the tiger's there but it's when the tiger's not there right yeah and you're still in that kind of survival mode but it doesn't have to be when the tiger is there that's what that state of mind was made for but you know we have evolved to the point where we don't usually have things that are threats to our lives other than possibly other humans so that faculty of our brain is kind of useless to us now. Do you guys ever find that um, it's more effort <laughs> to uh, to do the to to focus on the breath and gladden the mind than it is to just sit and dwell in like a very mild state of anxiety or a mild state of depression? No, that's that's like it creates that's, even uh, more effort. 
That's delusion. That's delusion. Uh, like, like, and its own hindrance that's sneaking up right there. Because, like, I've had that thought before, and I've yeah. now seen into that thought and seen that that's not. Uh, that's not true. Uh, that it's it's not actually difficult. It's actually quite a lot easier uh, to go through with. A, it's when you're not accepting like what Ron's saying that there's going to be some unpleasantness presence, uh, maybe physically or maybe mentally, while at the same time uh, you're gladdening the mind. You know, so like you can be okay and you can smile and cry at the same time. Like it's totally possible. You know that yeah, there's yeah. just sad. There's just sad moments, and you can look at yourself and say, "Oh my God!" Like. Imagine seeing like a little kid and him saying, do you think it's okay for me to be like unhappy all the time? And you would, you would, I mean, it almost makes me cry just thinking about it, you know, because I'm like, oh my God, that poor little boy, you know, versus like, hey, like you don't have to, you don't have to do that, you know, like, yeah, sure. You, you can have like, like things happen in your life and for a very long time, you can have difficult situations, but you can maintain us like a little bit of this sort of positivity through that you know i don't know um, if the kid came up to me and said that my response would be i don't know do you want to be unhappy all the time that's true and i think Domerado says that all the time to people too is he's like you got the choice uh i, yeah. I a lot of, i don't know if it's Domerado. a lot of teachers have told me that where they're like <clears> I, <throat> I sit there whine whine and cry about my life for like a really long time and they're like okay do you, do you want to feel bad? Like a lot of people choose you know? not to be happy and they don't even realize it. You know, I feel like yeah, just yeah. making it's like, them well, realize that they are making just, the conscious yeah. decision to whether or not it be absent-mindedly completely changes it. Well, this relates a lot to what Damarado says is the first knowledge on the path, which is you can always clean your mind out. And essentially, you can always throw the garbage out and be satisfied. That's what he's saying there. Yeah. Hey, Robert, I actually had a question for you. This is a uh, completely unrelated to what we were talking about right now. But uh, I remember one of the other video calls we were on, you uh, mentioned that you started reading uh, Seeing That Freeze by Robert Bia. Have you uh, finished that book or are you like getting making your way through it? Yeah, I took a little break for a while um, for about um, about a week. But uh, yeah, I'm about I'm about a third of the way through. I have it right here. Hey, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm re it's really good though from what I've read so far. Yeah. It's really good and it's perfect for Damarato's Damarato's teaching because Damarato's um, the gladdening the mind thing is it's what it's training is like your letting go muscle. That's what I call it. It's like um, it's your ability to just um, shift attention <clears throat> from something that's really attention grabbing to something else. To the degree that like the other thing is like completely forgotten basically so you're like intentionally forgetting things and leaving things out of mind and so the and so when you get really strong with that muscle you can use it for other things so not just forgetting um suffering things you can use it to forget entire perspectives or paradigms ways of viewing the world and then seeing the freeze is all about using that exact same muscle that we're training with damarathu's anapanasati and the gladding the mind to um to do insight practices so it's about like how do we to create like a new perspective that doesn't have a sense of self or that it is uh, liberating in some other sense and so it's just like a really cool way that it kind of combines the more like um 
because Damorato's thing is quite, it's like a little bit simplistic. Like it's, it doesn't really focus on like, um, what, what, what um, I think Kishon would probably call like the magical side of Buddhism, where we're talking about like, um, it changes to your identity and like that kind of stuff, at least not in like a, like a really like radical, profound kind of sense. You guys know what I mean, right? Like the, like becoming I would, I would one with the universe and like all this kind of We're seeing I, the freeze, think... you can kind of use it more for that. I think I think that it is a radical change in identity. It just depends on like how you're viewing that radical change in identity because like being one satisfied you, motherfucker all the time is right, pretty you big can, change. Yeah, know? I mean <laughs> and and also like like what you were getting at before changing like from saying uh I'm I'm okay like it's easier to like go through life and be uh, like slightly like depressed or slightly unhappy versus holy shit, I'm going to, like, seize every moment and seize every, like, because it's just awesome. Like, the, I, th I think that that's, I think that's the true radical, the radical shift. Um, I love that. I love that. I that, yeah. that happens. I mean, like, it's just, it's just that, okay, so, he, I mean, he's, he's not playing into our sort of desire for seeing it happen like that, you know, but it's, it's going to yeah, happen yeah. over a period of, of and I a think, lot of time. I think also, just as, like, a disclaimer, I think a lot of this is due to my own, like, my own experiences with other teachers and then coming to Damarthur, like um like a lot of the other teachers that I that I studied under, not as closely as under Damarthur, were they were very big on like on um on I don't know what the word is for it, but it's the I'd be calling it like magical, I guess, because that's what like Damarthur call it. But yeah, like like magical magical shit. Like they're really big on it and then Damarthur discourages it. So that's what I'm comparing it to. Like, for example, Leo Gura from Actualize.org was kind of like the first like spiritual teacher that I started learning from. And he's like super magical. Like, I don't think he, I, I, like he talks about that stuff all the time. So that's kind of what I'm comparing it to. Like, like very so it's like, good. It's like, good to look so at in your own I don't own mean like experience. it's not magical and it can't produce no, like radical changes and stuff. Like, yeah. I just mean so that it, like, the way it's worded and the language that he uses to like express the ideas. It's called super mundane for a reason. Like he's intentionally like well not him i mean he didn't create the, yeah like he the, speaks in layman's terms with a bit of poly like he doesn't he but doesn't he talks use, about like, it as pretty, being this pretty normal thing and doesn't stuff. talk about like cities and things like that all but, the time you know yeah so, yeah cities and like becoming the godhead and like yeah but if you watch merging I mean, consciousness with like, other beings or you know if you watch his interview with uh with um guru viking, viking talking talking about magical thinking with uh daniel ingram, um, daniel ingram. yeah thank you for filling it <laughs> is that magic he, in the i mean he definitely he there definitely <laughs> yeah. is a section where he hints like he hints at it and and he like he just doesn't talk about it he's like oh yeah it happens to some people you know but it's just it's just not important you know and this yeah, is it's just not practical that's a time really that's a time thing people. though you know like i mean that's yeah. that's just well, how they even are. in you hindu systems even in Hindu systems, which are rather magical, say like cities and going after that kind of stuff is just a complete uh, distraction from the true path. Yeah, for the most part. I watched from, the video from the ones that I've learned. Vikku Kandana made, which was um, that he said that cities before you're an arhant, cities and stuff is a complete distraction and you should leave that till after you're enlightened. Because before you're enlightened, it's just like you could go for the like actual be actually being happy with how it is now or you could go for something that's just another form of fleeting happiness just like all your worldly pursuits 
And it's like you put on the ropes for a reason. Like, why are you now going over some, going after some magical thing when you could actually go for, like, lasting freedom and stuff? And that was his perspective, which I thought was uh, quite valuable. What do you guys think? Do you think cities are a distraction? I think a lot of teachers mention it enough that it's probably a thing, and then enough and teachers recommend cities. Um, magical powers, psychic Magi powers. Yeah, and then enough teachers also recommend not looking at it, especially for lay people. Uh, uh, no, that, that is definitely a distraction. It, it yeah. brings up like the wanting aspect of it. You yeah. see, that's what I think that the flaw with, with Leo Gura is he talks about the the results but not the journey you know a lot of his videos he's talking about oh full enlightenment uh godhead this that like you know he's he's talking about his but he's probably not a soda pond <laughs> but mm -hmm. he's talking about full enlightenment <laughs> i love <him>. yeah <laughs> i really don't think he's like all the way there anyway i think he's had some enlightening experiences and you know he mistakes that for something that yeah. is not and you I'm glad you talked about it too. I'm glad you guys people followed my ways. point there, referencing Leo and, different ways of and the language they use and stuff. I'm glad you guys uh, knew what I was yeah, talking I, about and was just going. I think people, I think people have different is. ways of explaining the same, the same thing happening. I mean, I've, I've heard some people's like explanation of like the same situation basically in the same experience, and it's just so wildly different based on what their background is and what they're doing. And it's just more about like, like, hey, like, what, what is my, like, my actual experience? What am I taking out of yeah, this exactly. in reality? What's see, happening in yeah, my yeah. reality? See, I know yeah, that description. Like I watched like four hours. Of... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like I. Oh, do you want to go ahead? <laughs> I was just gonna say I know those descriptions and stuff that they are kind of a distraction because that was how I first came onto the path as well. You know reading and listening to what it's like when you're there and you know i was going from not having any idea what i was talking about you know maybe taking a couple taps of acid taking some shrooms and suddenly hearing about uh, infinity godhead you know source consciousness emptiness you you are the entire universe you know whatever you want to say and i kind of well if the dessert make makes this... you want to eat your meal then it's oh, i completely fine. relate to that one I yeah but if your dessert that, i made this idea in my head of what i thought you know enlightenment was and then i would kind of get mad seeing as how i would take a psychedelic and i would have these experiences and then you know when i'm sober and i'm meditating i'm unable to access that again and that kind of created a, a loop of desire even for enlightenment yeah 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 and that's a lot of it was i feel like is even without the psychedelic path um like i've done something similar just like with scripting enlightenment to be a certain way and then constantly seeing my experience doesn't match my idea of enlightenment. Now I'm like resisting my experience, right? So it's like I'm walking around with a sense of self all the time, resisting having a sense of self, which is completely counter to the actual path. So the actual path would say, recognize that you have a You've sense of created. self, accept that you have a sense of self. Now just do the technique that will actually lead to you transcending it. Not just like trying to force my mind to ignore the sense of self and become yeah. something else. Like you've yeah, created, you've created a separate self. Manner. You've created a separate self that is really into spiritual materialism. And we all have exactly. done this, you know? Like it just adds <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Like a and, it, and it's there like your separate self dislikes uh, like itself and it wants to look into it. And that's the new story of self is that, you know, 
And I, I don't know, um, Trungpa Rinpoche, he, I, I love his book, Spiritual Materialism, uh, specifically on this point that like, we, we all get it, you know, we, we all do it at various times, you know, and get this new identity that's like, ooh, my new identity is to look into the separate self and find that there's no separate self there. Uh, and it's going to work really, really hard at it. But it actually it doesn't ha it doesn't have to be that that hard. It doesn't have to be like an arduous like looking. It's not like it's not like going to school and like studying and taking a test and like and like following it like like this, you know. Um, I, love just, that. I love that. Jeff. It's, a, it's about following the simple instructions that like, you know, just just keep doing it over and over and over again and and be satisfied with reality as it is because we're all like inherently like not doing that at times and we have to consciously say to ourselves i'm okay with my reality as it is i'm satisfied in the here now you know and you just keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back and i i noticed even with what you were saying you were like adamarada's teachings they're a little bit simplistic and i I've, I've heard this about tiknahan too it's the same thing but it's like I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they're I, not. I, I, yeah, they're not <laughs> when, at all. Because when you're not, about I'm about to be completely debunked. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, and, and you've talked to other practitioners and stuff who've been doing it for a really long time. And, like, I, I don't know. I just know from Plum Village Tradition where I'm like, holy crap. I mean, all these guys have been doing is looking at their breath for 20 years. And then all of a sudden, they're miraculously able to just, yeah, they're, they're, they're just clearly giving off a presence that is different than, like, that that you can just feel, you know, and you're like, wait a minute, there's no other teaching besides that because uh, Thich Nhat Hanh gets this criticism all the time of like it's just baby meditation, like breath meditation is just you know baby yes, stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, if you're you know, doing that's it as what a I baby, for a while. it's gonna that's be a baby meditation. <laughs> yeah, but if you're doing it like from a place, I thought of, it should be more complicated, right? If, it's uh, supposed if you're to doing it from a place of development, it's gonna have a lot more to it, you know. Like the breath meditation can be rather complex. If you actually do what's in Anapana, the Anapanasati Sutta, like completely and understand yeah. all the elements in that, you yeah. know, that's going to, that could be like more advanced than almost any other meditation you're going to find. Right. Exactly. Because and of like all later, the in that. Because what, what our idea of breath meditation is, is that you're just focused on this one single point in your nose. But that's that's not the instructions, right? Like the instructions are not like solidifying a new false permanence, but it's to see into impermanence through the breath, you know, and to to generally to inspect our reality from a place of wholesomeness, from a place of ease and freedom, you know, but you need to feel that freedom and that ease first, because it's a lot easier to inspect reality uh, when you're in a good positive mind state, you know, and it's a lot easier to have a good positive mind state if you're doing it all the time, all day, every day, from the moment you exactly. wake up until the moment you go to sleep and then and then start examining reality, you know, like you don't you don't have to just start examining reality from a place of like, I'm slightly unhappy, you know, like that it's not going to work. It just, it, it's my experience anyways, is that like, I, I'll, I'll sit there all day and just be slightly unhappy. Then all of a sudden you get like into some sort of positive mind state and then you start examining impermanence and then you start examining dukkha and then you actually see something, you know, you actually have things shift in your brain. Well, definitely. you have, 
your brain you becomes the, rewired. Well, I mean, if you look at it in the sense of like the five strengths, like you have those built up enough at those times or at least more to where when you do go to look at stuff, it's going to be more productive and it's going to work better than if you're just in some like depressed state trying to look at reality. Like uh, I've what is, tried that, what are the five but I feel strengths? like it does not work. Um, well, I actually saw, I think two different like definitions of them, but the gist of what I've seen in most places is faith, energy, mindfulness uh they a lot of people say concentration i would say something like the ability like stability or samadhi would be a much better way to say that or you could say in the place of concentration like sustained attention okay rather than awareness being like concentrated into this one thing yeah, awareness yeah. is, prefer, is everywhere um, and it's fine and it's picking up on everything but attention is what see. is concentrated or rather than concentrated what is sustained on the desired object and it you're able to do that and then wisdom is the fifth or okay but when you're in a good state like like for when you're in first jhana or something like it's going to be a lot easier to investigate because you're going to have all those strengths like lifted a bit than if you're in like your normal like daily state of consciousness and you're just like a little bit depressed or whatever or you're having all these negative thoughts and hindrances come up like it's gonna yeah like just waste your time while you're practicing and just it's not and you're not gonna get as much of a result in my opinion Although I've had yeah, that's a lot been of, my that's been my experience. I've had a lot of success, you know, doing practices from a place that wasn't like, you know, in first jhana or like close to it. But and those have worked yeah. too. I mean, it's not that they're they don't work yeah, it at doesn't, all. Yeah, it's yeah, just, I know. Like I I definitely know like from trying it that way and then trying it Damarado's way. I know which one I heavily prefer, and yeah. I'd rather do practice while I'm deeply satisfied and loving everything. <laughs> and I feel I feel like on some level, it's kind of like no matter how much you say it, like like it feels like every practitioner has that story, and they're like, most of my like insights obviously have not come from being in first jhana, uh, but from years and years of like grinding away at like something, and then all of a sudden it snaps for you, and you're like oh my God, I didn't have to do it that way. Like there's there's another way that is so much more pleasant that is so much easier to do. And it's like, okay, well, would I have had those experiences? I, I don't really know. You know, like, yeah, like would I have- it, Are you talking about, you know, um, are you talking about like trying to meditate with like brute force versus trying to meditate with like yeah. self-compassion? Yeah, well, yeah, not, that's not with me. not with brute force, but just being aware oh, of reality. Like because in in vipassana meditation that's taught by Guenka, he's he just specifically gives the instructions like just don't try to change your reality. Just like mm. see reality as it is right now, and that's kind of what the instructions are. So like even if I was doing other meditation styles, like I still was carrying that with me for a really long time. And, uh, yeah, like that, that was just sort of my default mode of being like, okay, I'm just going to like, not try to change my reality right now. And then like, all of a sudden it just like clicked for me. Uh, I mean, this is before I talked to Domerado. It was like a, a while ago where I was like, holy shit, like I can actually adjust, like adjust my breathing. I'm allowed to do that. 
uh, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a big jump because in Vipassana specifically, they're like, don't adjust your breathing. A lot of meditation instructors, they're like, don't change your breathing. In Zen, yeah, they yeah, say the same, watch, same thing. Don Morado says that comes from, um, it was a much later change, like from the suttas for people to say, like, you're not supposed to adjust the breath. Because in Anapanasati, it directly says, like, you start with, like, your breathing being short. But then, like, the second step, I believe, is when you are having long breaths. Well, I mean, as long as it's not against practice, which my understanding it's not, and I've had great results actually controlling the breath and being with it in that way. And that's what Domorado suggests. Um, when you go immediately to that long breathing part of the sutta and you're doing that you stay with it and you have more mindfulness of the breath when you're actually doing it Damarado uses the example of like someone playing a game versus someone watching another person play the game and someone walks in the room which person is more likely to notice the person walk in the room which person is more likely to lose focus of the object you could say the game is the object in this example it's the person who's actually actively playing it and that's what Damarado told me about like controlling the breath versus not controlling it. And I don't know, I had great results from doing that. Bye, Ron. See you, man. Bye, nice guys. Thanks for the chat. Yeah, and uh, yeah, me, me too. You know, I, I've had, I've had also just uh, and and not um and not making it effort. It's not, it's not effort because the the main no, the main like thing. Fun. <laughs> yeah the main like thing it. is if 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 you're feeling like it's a lot of effort or a lot of work it's not correct practice it's it's yeah. just not like i i can i can guarantee it that it's it should not mm-hmm. feel like effort it should be it's, like freedom and ease so you know yeah amen yeah <laughs> what do you, you say guys feel like effort's like addicting you think it's addictive effort it is until you've until you've done it so much and you and you see that it's not the way. That's where I am right now. I'm trying to trying to realize it's not the way because it's so addictive. Like I'll wake up and I'll like have my coffee. This... Like just now, I just woke up and I've just drank my coffee and I've got like so much energy like coursing through my body right now just because I've been awake for an hour and I've eaten and I've had a coffee and like that that's the point in the day when when like it's like in my habit to just like have like a huge surge of energy because i'd normally be productive at this time or start meditating and the way i was meditating for three years was pretty much just brute force like mind crushing mind and like ease and relaxation was and mind okay and so mind is mind is still crushing mind but it's crushing it in a way when it sees an unwholesome thought it's crushing it with a wholesome thought so what you were doing before is still useful because it's still mind crushing mind it's just that you're replacing an unwholesome thought with a wholesome thought. That's it's just a change, you know. So the skills yeah, yeah. that you developed are still useful, very useful, you know. And sometimes I think we we can be like, oh my god, I was doing the wrong thing for so long. But like, all these skills are like they're beneficial they and they're, they're helpful and they build on each yeah, other. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it'll help me make faster progress with the next technique, having done the wrong technique. Because some parts of it were still right. Doug, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, I just wanted to say I I also would like to uh, I wanna I wanna go in a sec, um, 
But I wanted to to swoop in with something just to share with you guys. Maybe someone can give me some helpful input, um, which has been which has been happening lately. I've felt myself, or I've I've, I've observed myself become, uh, in a way, pretty pretty dysfunctional lately, because like even simple everyday experience can be pretty pretty challenging and overwhelming and i'm i'm like i'm i right now i'm except for like little distances i'm too i'm too scared to get behind the wheel of a car and even taking a walk can be challenging at times because um there's like this kind of shift happening um where uh, it, it it's kind of sensations but due to i don't know like investigating experience has become kind of second nature for me and i've more and more frequently had these experiences of holy shit everything is happening within consciousness like a movie that's already an interpretation i know um but that's no, I, the only I, I, I mean i understand yeah i could put it into words and the, like i mean this whole huge world which i knew so far suddenly becomes radically recontextualized and every it, it kind of it's just quite a lot and so like even the simplest things if i'm not somewhere where i where i feel like completely safe so to say can be pretty overwhelming and and challenging and i've made an attempt to to not avoid it all the time. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty, uh, I can observe myself going into a lot of like avoidance and distraction over this because it's just, yeah, it's just pretty overwhelming and uncomfortable a lot of the time with a lot of like fear coming up, for example. And uh, yeah, like existential fear. Yeah, man. And um, I, I have some things to, that I might, uh, help to suggest real quick but i'll let you finish your line of yeah. thinking i just wanted to say yeah. uh, and it's uh, i i can see what's happening and i'm not i'm not too happy with it on the other hand i feel that some parts of it i cannot control i i've, I've seen when i when i've exposed myself to those situations i've seen where like the mind quickly jumps in and creates another story uh, and that that which makes it worse. I've seen those things that I've been able to drop them, even though still it's it's quite a lot of like it, it requires quite some some keen observance to see it and to drop it to not make it any any worse. But nonetheless, it's a pretty pretty challenging challenging thing right now, and I'm just not. I'm a bit lost with it because I'm not sure how much of it I just gotta like ride out and how much I could even do at this point. So, yeah, maybe some of you have some valuable input. Yeah, I think Brandon, from talking to you, you probably have the best like experience um, with this sort of area. <laughs> yeah, I would say, man. Um... Well, the first thing is like if you're already feeling like you're you're a little unsure if like it's safe to drive at this point, I would say like um, that's probably the biggest thing is like don't do anything like that 
that you could yeah. accidentally like hurt yourself or someone like be careful with that i mean <laughs> i don't want to say like you can't drive because like realistically you probably could and be fine but yeah like if it. you're worried about it already like i would just say safe side like don't do that because i literally lost my license in a very similar situation like yeah yeah a spontaneous <laughs> spiritual event happened and then i yeah i don't need to get into it but um it was neurotic summer party right you had a neurotic summer party while on the highway and crashed no well on a, no i mean i had two events happen while I, it like within a week span like that were very bad like driving situations because of spiritual events but anyway um no it wasn't i I had a cessation after i crashed my car it was after not during while i was driving but uh i had like a series of them like after i crashed but that's beyond the point uh so i just want to say yeah if you're not sure about driving play it on the safe side until you feel good um And as general advice, like, I know one thing Daniel Ingram talks about in his book. uh, Now, he was saying more like this with Dark Knight, like, kind of experiences, like... Also relevant. Spiritual depression. It sounds like you might be also on more, like, the energetic, like, positive side of things, maybe, too, a bit. It might... You're not. It's more like... (laughs) It's more like depression kind of stuff, or or what? Like, how... Yeah, it sounded to me like, range, exis- like existential crisis. And... I mean, I'm talking to dog oh. a little bit. It, I think it sounds more like existential crisis, reality okay. breaking down, losing meaning, these sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, this will be probably pretty good advice <laughs> for that. Then, well, Daniel Ingram says in his book, the, the best thing to do in things like that is to keep practicing because it's what moves it along like gets you out of that phase sooner yeah and i would say for my experience too like it's a very common thing to like be practicing for a while things are going great you might even have some really awesome experiences and then things turn to more of that darker side and when it gets there you lose a lot of motivation to practice and that kind of stagnates things and you end up being stuck there but if you yeah. continue to practice, I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong about these practices that are going to cause problematic things if you're doing them right. So if you're practicing right, it's most likely going to help you move out of this phase a little bit easier and a little bit sooner. Um, yeah. But don't like overdo it or like, you know, force yourself into a bunch of like really effortful practice situations if you just feel too drained to practice some of them my favorite things in times like that i would just lay like a depressed noodle and listen to the tao de ching um and you know like sometimes that was really healing and what i needed at the time but i would say yeah as a general rule like keep your practice up if you can and that should help get you out of that a little bit sooner I am. I am. It's 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 a bit of a mixture between those things. I've been dealing with what you could call like dark night stuff uh, for for on and off for for like almost three years or something. Like, um, and it so doesn't if been, make. If you've been dealing, if you've been dealing with it for three years, then you have to see that there's nothing scary about it. That you've still managed to live that anything yes. that's scary about it is all self-created. 
Yes, yeah, but I realize all, all of this stuff is temporary. I can almost guarantee you if you continue living for enough time, you will be happy again completely on your on its own, like against all of your tries to not be happy again. You will find it again, even if you tried against it, you know. That's so nice like it, look, it will pass. It's just yeah. a question of how long it takes, you know. It's and a fear it's a fear practicing. It's a fear though. It's it's a fear though, and it's a fear that from what I hear of what you're saying and from having been there a little bit is that there's a fear of those emotions that are within ourselves and allowing those emotions to run our lives. And instead of doing the simple things that we know are good and wholesome for ourselves. So sometimes getting down back to basics and treating yourself like a child again uh, and being like, okay, I'm going to have to make a schedule for myself of like when I'm going to eat, because that's like very important. That's one thing that I forget to do and just lose doing in these times is like, yeah. I don't eat at regular times and just being like, okay, nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, five o'clock every day. It's just going to happen that I eat wholesome food, uh, that I make sure that my body is well fed, going to bed at a regular time. You make a time where you're like 11 o'clock at night, whatever I'm in bed. If I have to lay there, and that's that's okay, but I'm not going to have lights and external stimulus because yeah. sleep and eating, and then after that, fresh air. At waking up the first thing in the morning, no matter what, no matter how cold it is, opening up the window and sticking your head outside, uh, yeah. you know, it, and just these very very simple practices to ground us in our own reality yeah. and get us One back into would, routine. One thing I would throw in for that routine is try your best to like go out for a walk when at least when it's relatively sunny and get some of that time outdoors like that can help so much yeah. in these types feel, of states even I if it's feel, not sunny go outside anyways and then yeah try, even if try it's to, not sunny uh well i mean i don't know if it's like super like just horrible like downpour of rain maybe not but but it might I be mean, it might be this time of the year for where he's at so like yeah you know, i don't just, know i yeah. mean if you're if you've got like a ring a good raincoat yeah go outside exactly. yeah. all the time it once a day for once 15 day, exactly. minutes 30 minutes at least yeah. like yeah, will probably make a decent difference and it i don't know how much of a social guy you are um if you're not like super introverted and that as long as that doesn't cause a bunch of problems socializing a bit more or trying to make sure that you do that as much as you normally would can help because in these like more depressive type states we get in we sometimes can tend to like cut ourselves off from our friends and family a bit more than normal and then that contributes to the problem more and kind of keeps it going yeah what's the that's, we're socializing that's, here yeah that's yeah all, we are so socializing here this one of I the things Rob like the, what you mentioned, the the um, going outside, that's a big dilemma for me because I know that getting some fresh air is good for me. Yet lately, sometimes when I just left the house and took a walk, it was there's a was like a, a lot, a lot of fear and shit coming up. And I know that fear can't be so avoided. It's OK. And and like then you can then that's where the mind overcoming mind thing comes in because like we all get fearful like you're but you have to know in reality that you're a grown man and like there's some points in you where you're like wait a minute 
what am I so scared of? Like, and like you, you know, also and you talk don't... yourself into it, you know, and I know it's hard. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this is like a coach, but just because that's like, I've been there. Yeah, we all get so, our, like, like, I know for a fact, yeah. like all, all of the other people in this call, like get, get our asses kicked by the same problem at times, or at least have. Yeah. Um, but like one thing about the fear coming up, like when you go outside and do something, you know, that's good, that should be good for you. It might be that getting out and moving is starting to process some of that stuff that's in those emotions that are going on. Yeah. You don't necessarily know that it's it's a negative thing that those are coming up, you know. But if you end up finding like a bunch of problems that come from it, maybe our advice isn't the best for you. But no, I would even, suggest that that's probably good advice to go outside. Like even if probably, even if the problems even if the problems come good. up, it's it's good to embrace the problems and and invite them in and hug them and say you know what, you're safe here. Any sort of childhood shit that's going to come up right now, any sort of recent shit, whatever it is, it's okay. You can't, you can't touch me. You know, like I'm, I'm above this. I, I, I have, a, I have a method of dealing with you. I have a new way of looking at the world that is different from my old way of relating to the world. I'm a grown adult and I can talk to that little inner child within myself and comfort him. <laughs> And I'm going to do it again and again. And I'm still going to be, I'm going to be 80 years old and still comforting that eight-year-old kid, you know? Like, that's just the reality of life. Like, things just come up and we think we're over it. We're like, oh, I've worked on this for so many years. What the hell is wrong with me? But actually, an interesting story that I heard is that, like, there's a monk who was a monk for, like, 15 years. And he thought he had, like, reached a good state. And he thought that there were signs telling him to stop being a monk and, and he was like, I, I just thought everything was great. And I was just permanently in like a really good state. So he disrobes and he's like, I went into a massive depression for two years. And everybody was looking at me like, hey, man, what the hell's wrong with you? You've been a monk for 15 years studying yourself. Like, how are you depressed? You know, and he was like, and then I had to just get back to basics and remember, oh, shit, I'm, I'm grasping on to this like permanent solution of like, now it's going to be smooth. From here on out, I've worked on myself enough. It never ends, unfortunately. You know, it's it's an ongoing process all the time. And you just don't get bogged down in it. Who cares? You're scared. We're all scared, you know? Like, what's what's the big deal, you know? Go, go ahead, Robert. Yeah, um, I have a question for you, Doug. When you're feeling, like, these moments of, like, existential fear and um, stuff, like, how, how, um, how big... Um, proportional to the rest of your uh, sensate experience are your thoughts like do they feel that's an interesting question um they can be pretty they can be pretty disproportionately big mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so there's uh, a really good technique that i um that i learned about from daniel ingram um in an in a um, podcast slash interview he did with a YouTube channel, a really small channel called Empath Development. And um, there's a clip of it that Empath Development edited and put up on his channel separate, which is called Thoughts in the Room. And it's a meditation technique where basically the idea is that a lot of, this is just off the top of my head from what I can remember, so it might be misleading, but I'll post a link to it so you can see what Daniel Ingram actually says. But the idea is basically that our thoughts are disproportionately when the default mode network is activated. Um, but we can actually um, decrease the activation of the default mode network by focusing on our the rest of our rooms, right? 
the, the rest of the room. So like um, we focus on like first we'll focus on like the wall in front of us and then the sides and then our body and the chair and the table and then we'll expand it all to the ceiling. And so the idea is that you gradually like you build up this really panoramic um, broad inclusive awareness and then whatever like typical thoughts that you would normally think that would be really challenging for you, you'd want to bring those up intentionally and you'd want to just think those and you know, you'll you'll find that they're a lot more wispier and less scary than they normally would be, even though it's the same thoughts. And then like by doing that again and again and again, and Daniel Ingram says thousands of times, it will decrease your attachment to those thoughts. And when they come up off the cushion, like when you're driving or when you're taking a walk, um, you'll be used to seeing them like so many times, it's just wispy little, um, teeny little things that aren't really that big of a deal, yeah. that they'll have less like um, impact on you. And that's something that I've been practicing with and um, I haven't been seeing amazing results with it so far, I'll be honest, but I like the concepts and the ideas and it's You'll, kind of fun, so I'm sticking <laughs> with it and I thought I'd share it. You will, you will see the difference, and the, the Buddha recommends this within the Anapanasati Sutta. He says, you know, examine your, examine your feelings and examine the positive, the negative, the neutral, and examine the, like, the song, I think the Sankara is, is somewhere in there, uh, the mental formations, you know, and you're allowed to consciously examine these things, you know, like yeah. this, this is, this is like the whole, the whole point of it, but make sure that you're in like a positive mindset and have some semblance of stability when you are examining this. So there's, there's no point in like being like, Hey, I'm going to purposely make myself feel bad when I'm already feeling bad and examine this thought that's overrunning my life when I'm already like feeling overrun by it. But wait till you have a point of stability and then yeah you can gently allow those feelings within us it's it can be really helpful to just embrace whatever it is yourself, works for works for any any emotion anger oh, anger is the big one that i've worked with is like i will wait until i have some semblance of stability and then bring up something mentally that really pisses me off and see my reaction to it uh mm. you know and then see what, what, how, how am I feeling with this? Can I, can I maintain that equanimity that I was just feeling a second ago? And then you just practice it over and over and over again. And like, that's, that's it, you know? Um, so yeah, this yeah, makes me really think cool. of a bit of a, like, I don't know if it's an analogy or metaphor or whatever, but like with that same line of thinking, like rather than being like down in like the river with all these negative thoughts and the problems, like, when you get a moment when you're out of it and you could say you're like up on a hill, like a little bit of a vantage point where you're out of those problems, like you can look back down at them without having to get swept into the whole mix of everything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, Joe, I apologize for interrupting you there. When Joe said, wait for some stability, I said like create a sense of stability. So I'm sorry I interrupted you there because I know you want to keep speaking. I would say, um, as a, also like a happy medium between those two, is if you feel like you can't create a sense of stability and you would just be waiting for one to naturally arise on its own, I feel like that's kind of a victim mindset. So what I would do is I would right. set an intention, consciously verbalize an intention that you want to create a sense of stability and then forget about it. And then for some strange reason that when you actually practice this, the sense of stability that you are waiting for will come about faster and it's also just as effortless as waiting for it anyway, because you just forget about it afterwards. But you verbalize that intention first. So I'd say do that if uh, if you can't just like create one now, and that creates like more effort and stuff like like I was and saying before, that, like too much brute force and shit. 
That yeah. sounds like it gives you a bit more of a feeling of control over the situation too, which exactly, I think would exactly. be Reduce the victim mindset. You're not just waiting to feel good again. You set an intention and you know that it's going to speed up that process and catalyze it. And uh, it gives you a little bit more sense of ease and comfort. And who knows, maybe that has a lot to do with why it speeds it up. I don't know the actual mechanics of that stuff. Yeah. Taking taking an, an electronics break for a day also can be very helpful. Oh, you know, big of time. just like big shutting time. shutting off your phone for like an entire day, uh, if you can like arrange your life in that way. Um, yeah, that's that's another big tip that I would have because that's the yeah. easiest way to run away from these things and that, to and extend that's the this day process. you go out in nature and you know talk to the birds and the trees and hear their advice on the depression <laughs> <laughs> yeah for me it's 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 of course there's some depression about it but lately it's mostly like this the, or the, the fear or whatever it was yeah. I, and it yeah. was yes yesterday and that's what i've been doing so far a lot was um when i took a walk and i was just it, it wasn't it was nothing fancy and i was terrified for a good part of it and i just told myself keep walking uh like I, I i converted the energy that the the fear was releasing in a way i just used it to not to not stop in a way just keep the body that, moving that that's when you say like you know thank you brain like i didn't have to pay for a, a horror film to get this like you gave it to me <laughs> completely free thank you very much that's <laughs> Right. Yes, I, what I, a I just, cool I just wanted to say that I don't get to feel normally. <laughs> wow, how? What's the texture of this? This feels cool. <laughs> oh, that's you cool. Can, you can change the that's way you relate cool. to it. You know, to make it more yeah. positive. Think of your own ways, but like those are just some examples, like how you can, you know, be kind of on top of the things that are gonna jump out at you. Yeah. And at the same time, this whole thing is kind of forcing me to learn certain things, like the more the more it it the more it closes seems to close down on you the more you're forced to to to, to look like for ways that this doesn't have you in a grip that much anymore <laughs> um Doug, you probably already have realized this um if not consciously then certainly intuitively but i would say focus on low effort ways in this situation because it's very easy for us to say like for me i feel embarrassed about it now when i interrupted joe and said like like oh don't don't wait for a sense of stability create one create one because yeah. like actually when i'm in a state of existential panic and terror good fucking luck using the tech you know you flat just guiding the mind like that like when you're actually in these situations it's obviously like like it's a very different to talk about it in the sangha and then actually do it so i think like really focus on like for me at least when i'm just recalling like my own experiences because i was having like some some quite rough like anxiety last night it was like keeping up i couldn't fall asleep you know just like I was laying in bed for like hours just because I was so anxious I couldn't go to sleep. And like I couldn't land the mind in that state. But what I could do was like they're setting the intentions, right? Anything that's like really low effort takes really low amounts of like discipline or motivation to actually do it, right? Like it's really easy to do, low effort, and then still has results. I think that's like the best thing to do for these kind of situations, at least in my experience, just because like in the actual moment, it's kind of hard to hard to like just just do it, right? So, but you can always just do something that's really, really small and then maybe It'll, the results will compound over time or, yeah. you know, at least at least it does something right. Something low effort, you know, yeah. like it, yeah, and that's why I think basic self-care is important, too, like because you can just yeah. like, I don't know, light a scented candle like that's pretty easy. There's no mind control needed for that. There's no damage in that, but it can still have a good result. 
the lowest effort for me is is becoming aware of the body awareness of the body and yeah. uh and doing the like hand hand on the chest breathing hand on the stomach breathing like belly breathing and just watching that go up and down and just comforting your body uh come because coming back to the body and solidifying it and taking yourself out of your mind uh that's that's the that's the best thing to do. And uh, like, for me, what ends up happening, I've done it so much. I almost get it like, like to the point where I'm like, Oh my God, do I really have to come back to the body again? But, but yeah, you like, you, yeah. you got to just like keep doing it. Like, it's, you know, <laughs> that's my anchor as well. Body and breath guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I really got to go right now. Yeah. Um, see you. Thanks for Good your, luck. thanks for your input and listening to it. Uh, and yeah, I'll see you soon. Have a good one. Thank you. Looking looking forward yeah, to hearing an update well, from you on your situation. It sounds really interesting. I've had some similar stuff with like spirituality induced depression, induced anxiety, and just general negativity and stuff. So I'm looking yeah. forward to like hearing how that goes for you and discussing in the future. Part, stuff part of really it cool. is because everything is becoming radically re recontextualized. <laughs> yeah. You, that's right, cool, man. That's cool. Everything's everything that's exciting. itself. So if, yeah. if you remember one thing, you can handle it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Bye. See you. Bye. See you, man. So yeah, I, I wanted to say that uh, it's it's step number seven of uh, Anapanasati that is like you breathe in experiencing these emotions and it comes it comes after experiencing uh, pity and experiencing sukha and then it's chitta sankara pati samveri. And uh, so like chitta sankara, so chitta is like mind uh, and sankara is obviously like me mental formations. So yeah, within the Anapanasati Sutta, he is encouraging us. And I think I, I just wanted to mention this because Robert, I, I think you should look at it again, the Anapanasati Sutta and just, well, I, I mean, I, I look at it all the I've time. I've never read it, man. I've just okay. been going off Damarada's interpretation the whole time. Okay. I haven't well, read a single you... original sutta. <laughs> Okay, well, that, yeah, I mean, you have, you have to read it. Donna has a good video for it, too. Um, Bhikkhu Kandana so, has a good video that breaks it down, too, where he goes through the whole sutta, and then he adds some commentary, but uh, you can hear, like, the sutta itself, like, in the video. That's where I, like, have been closest to, to it so yeah, far. Finding, yeah, finding somebody who has a commentary can be really helpful for explaining it. But the 16 steps are the most important part yeah, of it. Yeah, has a whole book on it. I think that's definitely where I'm gonna start because he's yeah. Damn right, teacher. But just right? start. He's but just start with reading. Just start with reading the 16 steps and starting to get familiar with them. Because honestly, I've been reading it for years and I still forget the last four steps and exactly what they are all the time. <laughs> because generally, because you're not you're not there, uh, and those ones are the ones that are like the most like you know it's it's the progression and it's the most advanced on there. Um, but it's all about like letting go and. Uh, because the last four, it's you observe impermanence, observe fading away, uh, then observe cessation, and then observe letting go. Uh, and yes, th those ones. So and in Pali, it's like anicca nupasi, uh, and then viraga nupasi, and then niroda nupasi, and then patin patini saga nupasi. Uh, what does nupasi so, mean? I'm not exactly sure, but the, it's the it's the pattern that repeats itself throughout uh, throughout that sequence uh, itself. Yeah. Uh, so I'm 
it's so the, the I, I, we can just read it right now the last like the I, I, you know i might as well just read the the 16 steps just because yeah like, let's do it please do sounds good boss is in yeah. session okay <clears throat> so it's when I'm, okay and how is mindfulness of breathing developed and cultivating to be very fruitful and beneficial uh, it's when a mendicant has gone to a wilderness or to the root of a tree or to an empty hut. They sit down cross-legged with their bodies straight and establish mindfulness right there. Uh, just mindful, they breathe in. Mindful, they breathe out. Okay, so that's step one. Aware that you're breathing in, aware that breathing out. When breathing in heavy, they know I'm breathing in heavy. When breathing out heavily, they know I'm breathing out heavily. I would replace that with breathing in long and a lot of translations say uh, like aware that I'm breathing yeah, in long. Mo most yeah. of them start with uh, start with like short breath. They breathing in short breath and then long or maybe no, not it's most long. Of them. It's long. So it starts. No, it's, it's so always, the second step is long. No. Yeah. No. So the first step is awareness of the breath. Well, um, or, yeah, I know what the second step you're saying step is, is step breathing is, in long. Breathing in breathing long. Yeah, long. I'll find that. Yeah, I'll find, uh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it is the first step. You're correct. Okay, All, always mindful he breathes in, mindful he breathes out. Okay, so step one, breathing in long, he discerns, I'm breathing in long. Breathing out long, he discerns, I'm breathing out long. Okay, that's step one. Breathing in, number two, breathing in short, he discerns, I'm breathing in short. Breathing out short, he discerns, I'm breathing out short. Okay, so you observe those two things. Number three, he trains himself, I will breathe in sensitive to the entire body. He trains himself, I will breathe out sensitive to the entire body. Uh, and that, yeah, that, that can get a little bit complicated with the translation of what body is. But anyways, we'll just leave it at that for now. Um, he trains himself, I will breathe in calming bodily fabrication. He trains himself, I will breathe out calming bodily fabrication. That's step four. Step five, he trains himself. I will breathe in sensitive to, I want to translate this to the poly word because it's a lot better, uh, pity. Okay, uh, so it's pity that is next there. Um, is it pronounced pity or is it pity? Because I've I heard, don't know. I, I, think I think the the I has the, I don't know what the long, do you know what that is called? Like the long line I don't over know. Um, vowels? Yeah. I don't know. So he trains in... That, Oh, yeah, go ahead. It, he trains himself, <laughs> I will breathe in sensitive to pity. He trains himself, I will breathe out sensitive to pity. Okay, number six, he trains himself, I will breathe in sensitive to sukha. He trains himself, I will breathe out sensitive to sukha. So, number seven, he trains himself, I will breathe in sensitive to mental formations. Uh, and this was the one that I was saying before, the chitta sankara. Uh, he trains himself, I will breathe out sensitive to mental uh, formations. Number eight, he trains himself, I will breathe in calming mental formations. He trains himself, I will breathe out calming mental formations. Okay, so that's that's all on that level. So that's that's just on the sort of feeling level, the but not like like emotional feeling, it more the uh, the vidana, like on on that on that level, okay? And then you get to the mind after that is the, the next, like the next four. So you go from the body uh, to then the feeling, Vedana, and then after that you go to the mind. Okay. So then you have, he trains himself, 
I will breathe in sensitive to the mind or chitta. Uh, it's good to, to like start training yourself in like chitta here because they, there's different mind that relates to like consciousness uh, in Buddhism. So this is specifically chitta. Uh, he trains himself. I will breathe out sensitive to the mind. He trains himself. I will breathe in satisfying the mind. He trains himself. I will breathe out satisfying the mind. He trains himself. I will breathe in steadying the mind. Uh, he trains himself. I will breathe out steadying the mind. He trains himself. I will breathe in releasing the mind. He trains himself. I will breathe out releasing the mind. And I think that there might be a better translation for that uh, at that point. Because, yeah, I, I like I like this one better. So we'll go through that order again with this translation. They practice breathing in experiencing the mind. They practice breathing out experiencing the mind. They practice breathing in gladdening the mind. They practice breathing out gladdening the mind. They practice breathing in immersing the mind in samadhi. They practice breathing out immersing the mind in samadhi. Okay, so first you're gladdening the mind and then you get samadhi. And samadhi is gathering all the factors together, all this the seven factors of awakening together. That's samadhi. Uh, they practice Can we go breathing. through the seven factors after this too? <laughs> <laughs> okay. They practice breathing in, freeing the mind. They practice breathing out, freeing the mind. And then it's the last four, and these are the ones that I always forget. Uh, they practice breathing in, observing impermanence. They practice out, observing impermanence. So Anicca. Uh, they practice breathing in, observing fading away. They practice breathing out, observing fading away. They practice breathing in, observing cessation. They practice breathing out, observing cessation. Uh, the final one, uh, and, and the, for cessation, it's Niroda. Uh, they practice breathing in, observing letting go. They practice breathing out, observing letting go. Um, mindfulness of breathing, when developed and cultivated in this way, is very fruitful and beneficial. Uh, and how is mindfulness of breathing developed and cultivated so as to fulfill the four kinds of mindfulness meditation, uh, like this uh, Satipatthana, um, which you might have heard. Uh, whenever a mendicant knows that they breathe in heavily, uh, breathe long or short, or experiencing the whole body or stilling the body's motions, at that time they're meditating and they're observing an aspect of the body. And then it goes through the next list and... It says at that point they're observing an aspect of feelings, vidana, you know, so not emotions, but feelings, well, positive, negative, or neutral. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask what the definition of mendicant is. Uh, I'm not even familiar with that bikavi. word. It's, uh, bikavi is the Pali word. So he's like saying bhikkhus, like uh, fellow, okay. fellow, fellow monks. Okay, uh, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird translation. Because um, I've usually heard them say just bhikkhu. <laughs> yeah. Bikus. Yeah. Yeah. But. And then and then after that you get the next four, and at that time the uh, you're um, you're developing that aspect of the mind, and then it's the next four, and that one is yeah where at that time they're meditating and observing. A pro, an aspect of Dhamma, you know, and so the the last tetrad or the last uh, four is uh, Dhamma, and Dhamma in this case has like sort of a a different translation because Dhamma is also the word that is used for the uh, five uh, um, 
five skandhas and it's the fifth skanda so i i, be I believe it is anyways uh let me just check to make sure uh but but anyways I don't, I don't it's even just know what a skanda is <laughs> yeah well yeah you do it's bo body feelings uh emotions mental formations and consciousness okay so body physical body feelings positive negative neutral okay emotions so any any emotion that you have mental formations consciousness okay and consciousness, what's, the direct, and consciousness. Like, what's the translation for skandhas con, con, uh, five aggregates, five aggregates. that's yeah. what i thought yeah okay, it's the yeah. same yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Also, kandas, I think. Some, I think. Sometimes it's called kandas. Yeah, that sometimes it's kandas. Okay, so it's not, it's not actually done. Kandas, just kandas, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not actually the fifth one that is dhamma. It's vijnana, vijnana. Uh, but anyways, it's just to keep in mind that dhamma is not referring to, like, the, the overall dhamma. But there's, like, another use for it in this circumstance. It's very, like... It's worth looking into uh, because I, I'm going to like butcher it if I try to explain it. But yeah, the fourth one anyways is talking specifically about Dhamma in that particular thing. So you can see, I mean, it's quite deep, you know, because like you're not going to get past like most of these steps because like we're, we're just, you know, we're doing our best. And uh, and it's also not but it, it is linear. But then in a sense, you can you a lot of times you're going right back to the beginning and just you know, observing the long breath, you know, and uh, stilling, stilling the mind, you know. Um, yeah, so the seven factors of awakening, we might as well, yeah, we can go uh, over it again just to get it in into our minds a little bit here. Uh, <clears throat> mindfulness, sati. Uh, investigation of states or investigation of reality uh, as it is, Dhamma Vichaya, uh, energy, Virija, uh, joy, pity, relaxation, Pasadi, uh, or tranquility, concentration, Samadhi, equanimity, Upeka. Um, and so what's interesting about the seven factors of awakening is it has a lot of the same ones from the Noble Eightfold Path, and they're just repeated again. Uh, um, like Joe, yeah, Joe I missed a few of the first of the factors. Could you just repeat that list really quickly for me? Thank yeah. you. Uh, mindfulness or sati, investigation of states or investigation of reality as it is, uh, Dhamma Vichaya. Okay. Uh, and and the thing with with these is is it's more like like they they do from what I I mean they they happen a little bit more like in order kind of you know it's not like the noble eightfold path where like you're uh, you're generally you know jumping between and and they're all dependent on one another these ones kind of more occur like after one another okay like in practice in physical practice uh, you know. And the only one that's kind of interesting is is samadhi concentration, the sixth one, which kind of gathers up all the other factors together. And so, samadhi and upeka, like upeka, technically is the last one, but samadhi is gathering up all the other factors together. Uh, you know, and and so it's it's really like a weird translation when they say like uh, one pointedness 
or concentration because it's it's really better to think of it as gathering up all the factors together. And that's the one pointedness of it is that everything is together. So you've got the sati, you've got the dhammavichaya, the investigation of states, you've got the energy, virijaya, uh, or the determination, the strong determination, the effort that is there, but not the effort that you're talking about, Robert, a lot of like, this feels like a lot of effort, but like effort directed in a wholesome way. Well, uh, it's, uh, this is something I'll ask after this discussion, um, after this point, but um, it's a bit more, it's a bit more complicated and nuanced than that. A lot of times I can't tell that I'm exerting strong effort until the effort ends. And then I'm mm -hmm. like, wow, that was like, that was actually a pretty awful, miserable state. But while I'm in the state, it feels great. It's a very, okay. it's a very complicated, nuanced thing, Emma. It's okay. I don't even understand it, but I'll like, continue. And then <laughs> we have jo we have joy, pity. So we'll go we'll go again from the start. We got mindfulness, sati, investigation in states, investigation of the nature of reality, dhamma vichaya, energy, virija, joy or rapture, uh, pity, uh, relaxation or tranquility, pasadi. Uh, concentration, samadhi, equanimity, upeka. Okay, and when we get gather Excellent. all those Excellent. factors together, uh, then you can say that's that's awakening. You know. The, then we get a diploma yeah. from our, you know, teacher. Yeah. That we've awakened. I mean, it's honestly like like you know not <laughs> not to be too much like hey you should study this like school or something. But I mean, it's been helpful for me at times to write down all of these and to write down especially the Noble Eightfold Path and to write down the Yeah, like doing notes. And yeah, uh, that sounds brilliant, man. I might actually do that. I have a little notepad that I bought um, yeah. that I've been writing some notes in. And it's and if we're gonna remember all kinds of other stuff, it's like it's pretty wholesome to like memorize the Noble Eightfold Path. Right now, I'm working on. Uh, I'm working on. I. I <laughs> I, I have the ambition of like memorizing the dependent origination order. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and and being able to say it forwards and backwards, uh, just because I think it could be a useful skill to develop, you know. Um, and if we spent, we put so much effort into reading so many books and reading so much shit, uh, but for some reason, like we kind of like we don't want to like study these so much, uh, and it's gonna yeah, be interesting to look into right? why. It's like, you know, oh, I finished, I finished this book, onto the next one, onto the next one. Oh, there's hundreds yeah. of spiritual books in the marketplace. I can't wait. I, I Which will I read next? Like and it's like the actual students like take some like, notes and like the factors get it to sink Jana, in. Like sometimes, like it probably would be helpful to write a lot of these things down. Yeah. Like so I. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you're here. if you're rereading it from all these different sources, like maybe it'd be helpful to just like actually like spend time yeah. with one and like really like understand it. And if you're gonna pick one, like pick the suitors. Yeah. And and just like and just like a few of the basic ones, you know, just start with the basic one. Like, I mean, the jhana factors is, is like definitely should try to remember them. I, I think I've memorized pit, those. It's yeah. Pity, it's like, suka. Go ahead. Oh, right. Um, pity, sukha, um, effort for the first jhana. Um, and then like one pointedness. Ah, shit. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, so it's it's like it's like direct it's like directing the <laughs> mind me, and let also let me try and fail. Oh really yeah, quick. Vitaka Vitara. That was it. That was it. That was the Wait, applied so, effort and sustained effort. Yeah, there's two of them. Yeah. yeah, applied effort, sustained effort, PT or pity, however you want to say it. Sukha, um, satisfaction, relaxation, relaxation, and yeah. what am I missing? 
That's it. That's it. That was yeah. the five factors. Yeah. The attack applied effort, the car sustained effort. But, but Damarano says there's six, and I had five there. What was I missing? Super satisfaction. I can't remember uh, the poly word, but like the, yeah, it's like the one point. You list one. them, Joe, so we can hear. Uh, no, you, the yeah, no there's only five. There's only five that, I, that I'm familiar with. Uh, yeah, there well, is five. That's well, five well, Jonathan. Well, that's like, told me that's specifically like a, that's that like there are six, and relaxation no, six. is the sixth that most people don't list. So what are the oh, other five? Oh, is it? Oh, oh wow. realization? Huh? Relaxation. Oh, relaxation is what you said. Yeah. Yes. That's well, interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah. I've only so, ever I, seen it as five. Yeah, the, it's always written that's as, what, it's always written as five. That's what Dime Rado says. You can go watch okay. the video. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's interesting, man. That's, that's very I, mean, that's, I was listening that's, to the video again today. But, um, but in is a that way, your third pull with him? Okay. Okay, so just, so just so you call. guys are, just so you guys are aware, there's an order within dependent origination, uh, within, um, uh, so, th so there's, a, there's like, there's basically, um, let me just, let me find this, because I was, I was just reading this, the, uh, the other day. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's called, uh, Lokutara Paticca Samupada. And it basically has like transcendental, uh, factors that come after the traditional, uh, Paticca Samupada. And so after that, you have Piti that leads to Pasadi, which I'm guessing is what he is including in the factor, which leads to Sukha. Um, and that's the order. And that leads to Samadhi concentration you know so like I, I think what he's like getting at is that rap pity leads to tranquility leads to sukha like these this is just like the the yeah, natural relaxation however you want to say it yeah. basically like okay yeah he was, so he that, was that pretty clear sense. like he was saying like you can't have any physical pain in your body or anything and it be first jhana like right. at all is what he's saying right. um which was a totally different, like, or it was a new thing to me to hear someone say that about Jonna. And yeah, it was I actually really helpful to I think, pay attention to that and about, see, you know, am I fully relaxed? And then you learn how to become yeah. more and more relaxed yeah. when practicing yeah. so this. this. This links into what Ron was saying before about the distinction between suffering and pain. I don't think you can have any suffering in it be jhana, right? Because jhana is like the elimination no, of suffering. It's, it's kind of yeah, in definition. It's, it's sukha. But it's physical sukha. pain, like the actual sensation of pain, as long as the actual dukkha element of the pain has been taken away, right, which is independent exactly. from any it's physical sukha. sensation in the body. Yeah. I don't know if I'm wrong. That's with the whole that, point. But well, in, um, number, in number four, it, it, in jhana number well. four, you would eliminate that too. Like that, that's when, that's when you're still aware because there's still applied and sustained thought so that there's still an awareness of the body there in the first jhana, you're still aware of sensations, but you just see them as sensations, you yes, know, yeah. and you yeah, look into no it. Yeah. And so there's nothing yeah. associated with it. There's no judging. There's no, uh, you, you've eliminated that step of. Yeah, but there's still applied and sustained thought. It's it's still there. Like you, you have to have awareness of your body. Uh, you're, well, you're going to, of course, because pity's going to be pleasurable. You know, like it's just going to be physically pleasurable within your body, uh, to some degree or another. You know. Um, but yeah. Anyways, like, like I think I think some of the other lists though can be really interesting to look into. Like especially the Noble Eightfold Path, because there's so many different translations of 
uh, the Noble Eightfold Path and the different words, and they can be useful to like to like look at it. Okay, why does one person translate it as right view? Why does one person have right right understanding? You know, um, and that can be really helpful in your practice. I in my practice, I found it to be very helpful to examine. Joe, what does, do you what go, does it change? Sorry, do you want to go over like the Noble Eightfold Path and maybe like your understanding of each of the terms and sort of the different translations you've come across because I'm I'm kind of lost like in what which to go with like what right view means what right okay effort means. okay so well, I have the, I right have the effort best... I understand more but like right view really I don't know what what the hell it means anymore because I've seen so much <laughs> you know <laughs> okay so right so right uh so right effort also can be translated as right action you know that can be another translation that I've heard for that one that helps. Um, yeah, and and it just it's just tr trying it out. So the best advice I got from this was reading a book by. Uh, Wait, this is effort, not view, right? That we're talking yeah, about right now. Yeah, that, yeah, but I, view I mean, is I, what I'm confused yeah, about right, mostly. Yeah, right understanding, right understanding uh, changed changed that for me is being okay. like, okay, it's not something, it's not something that I'm choosing. Like that's that's uh, this is just reality as it is. You finally understood reality as it is with wisdom, you know, and you finally okay. have gained some wisdom into this. Uh, and and wisdom, what what's the Pali word for wisdom? Um, Anya, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so when you finally have gotten that, uh, like, because I I think there because there's generally an order of like getting to that, getting to wisdom. And this is why the Noble Eightfold Path is so interesting because they're all so flexible and related on each other. Are you going to wait until your sila is perfect and those three factors of the Noble Eightfold Path to get started? No, of course not. Like, you know, you'll be waiting for infinity if you try to get your sila perfect before trying to get any wisdom yeah. or any insight into reality. But I the feel main like wisdom thing, helps with sila a lot, honestly. Yeah. Oh, it's the biggest. I think they should be the other way around. The wisdom should come first because the sila comes automatically when you're wise. Okay. Okay. But then, yeah. But then you have. You to don't even have to think about it. You just do it. These are universal teachings for people, and some people might be like, you know. Uh, yeah, they're already too dumb doing, to like not even. <laughs> you don't necessarily doing, need like you know. Uh, I mean. Like Terry to be wise, I right? Mean, exactly. Yeah, as like you know. the first thing that you teach them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You so teach you... them that it's all sensations and that there's, you know, no self that lives or, you know, dies yeah. between, you know, You're moment to moment or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, there. Yeah, you yeah, say. You say. Okay, <laughs> put down the needle first, right? Right. Put down exactly. the heroin. Exactly. Exactly. Needle first. Yeah. And, <laughs> And this is why, like, you go to, like, a meditation retreat or to a monastery and they have some regulations where they're like, hey, you know, try, try to not do this and this and this yeah. uh, your while you're here. This is okay. this is sort of the, the raw thing. So, right, yeah, right view is just, just remembering that it's, like, it's within the, like, wisdom section of the Noble Eightfold Path. And so, yes. right understanding. So what is wisdom? <laughs> well, you tell me you've gotten some wisdom. You know, you've gotten some. I don't, I don't some... even know what what it is. I probably insight. have it, but I don't know exactly what it is anymore. <laughs> like insights, you know, like insights. It's like insights. wisdom is Brandon. knowing to say that I don't know what it is anymore. That is wisdom. Brother, <laughs> you literally have like a video on your YouTube channel. Well, about, I'm like, doing great. Like no, it, it, it is. It's wrong. It's like when you realize something, it's like when you see something very clearly that it's true. 
So you see something the way that it really is. Yes. Right. So you thought it was some way before, and now you it's been recontextualized because you have like all the evidence and you or more evidence, and you well, see. What if you're just oh wow, this is actually the way. Wrong start. again is my question. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you have to have the humility. You have to have the humility to be able to see that. But I think at a certain point, you become so confident about certain truths because you've seen it so many times, and for some people, yes, it happens. It. That's wisdom. Yeah. It happens like a lightning bolt. Like there's a lightning yeah. bolt. Like this jealousy that yeah, it's like that feeling, aha moment that aha feeling. yeah yeah is insight, like yeah. is like harmful to me and i'm going to stop being jealous on for most people though it's a gradual process it's like hmm, i kind of see that this jealousy thing is like really not uh, a good thing i should try and do it a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less and then eventually you get to the point where you're like okay well like that's clearly harmful you know like it's so clear that like I don't care if you argue with me about it. I like like I don't care when I'm in situations with people. You just smile in that situation. You're like, okay, well, you know, I I can sit here and listen to you, but I I know you're wrong because like that's that's just this is just reality. Like it's not a know it all at that point. It's like it's so confident from like examining over and over and over again certain aspects of reality. Uh, and specifically like the hindrances, the hindrances are just harmful. And yeah. there are people yeah. who would argue, there are people who would argue that they're not harmful. Like you literally, you that might get into a philosophical <laughs> argument with somebody and be like, it's, I mean, there's, there's nothing we wrong with We actually did that. We did that in the last US Sangha last night. Um, I was asking people like, is it beneficial to introduce some level of suffering to motivate myself to sit down and meditate? Because I really don't want to, and it hurts to do it, right? It's like, oh it's like oh it's like that dull depression that when you first sit down because you wanted to like watch tv or something and i was like is it still good to meditate or should i just feel good and they were like well you gotta you gotta find your way around that like you gotta you gotta feel good while you're still taking right action that's the whole like challenge of it that's why it's difficult and i was like mm, that's even more effort <laughs> yeah i i, I know what you're getting at brandon though, is that like it is easy to like then take this to things we haven't actually had insight about, just things that we've just read or that we have not actually experienced for ourselves. Um, I'm still struggling with a lot of things that I, from hearing other people say that that's unskillful, it's probably unskillful, but I still fall into those habit patterns. But there's certain things that I'm like, wow, that is just so clear. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I know yeah, I do that get, a lot. I do that a lot. You don't want to get cocky about it and like not be open to like change and other people's perspective. But uh, also like just being confident that you have had real wisdom experiences and the wisdom to be able to say, I really don't. I really don't, I don't know. know. That's kind of the state I found myself in when I was asking about the like experience after death thing. <laughs> like I. I realized, like, I was asking the question, like, can you guys, like, please give me, like, some good, like, different perspectives to look at this. And then I'm, like, sitting there thinking, I've already looked at all these things, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, but it, it, that that's just, like, an imponderable, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, that's what yeah, it, it seems is, like Yeah, it is an me. imponderable. Yeah. Um, the other, I, just the other factors of like the noble eightfold path, though, um, we can just we can go over it really quickly. Uh, and uh, so like right, to, right, right effort, and then where are we at with like the third? Uh, it's it's I don't also translated. The order. 
It's also translated as like right intention. Uh, right. Is? Yeah. Uh, well, it's, okay. Well, no, right, I mean, right effort is number six. I mean, that's that's always number oh, six. Shit. I'm all yeah. Yeah. But the the next one, the next one is always like uh, is right, right intention. Uh, okay. Sometimes they, they translate it as uh, they say right aspiration, right motivation. OK. OK. Um, yeah. And it says it says here a little thing from the suttas. It says, and what is right? Uh, right intention. Uh, the intention to renunciation, the intention of freedom from ill will uh, and harmlessness. Okay, so you're intending at this point to be free from ill will, to have harmlessness. Okay, and it's it's useful to say like right view comes first. Like that that sticks with me from like there's a sutta that is like really a common one that is read all the time, and. Uh, and he, the Buddha says over and over again in that one, right view comes first, right understanding comes first. <clears throat> and seeing that our actions have consequences, uh, this is, this is, this is it. This is the, the right understanding, you know? Um, yeah. After that, we've got right speech, which is pretty straightforward. You know, this gets into the, the sila Sometimes aspect of it. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> 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 Some of the but, stuff I mean, I've straight, been the reading gets pretty hardcore on it, but yeah, I mean the translation is is pretty easy to understand though, um, yeah, and it obviously sure. includes internal internal speech too. You know, it's not just external speech, so speaking to ourselves internally, uh, right action, um, and yeah, and this is just like physically manifesting, like the doing the right the right thing here, uh, right livelihood. Uh, again, this one can get, I think Westerners get way too focused on this way too often. And I say this as somebody who got way too focused on it and the Buddha doesn't like lay out these big, like existential sort of like, which, look which at one is that? Right livelihood. Right we livelihood. get stuck. I think yes. Westerners get stuck on this oh, a lot because oh, they man. sit and think about it's it not, and then they relate not. it to their life and they're like, but what is my consequence of this action and this action and this action? Oh, it all leads to global warming, which leads to uh, people being harmed, or this is this leads to uh, a factory in China where people are being harmed, and it's way too deep. You know, it's like you don't need to well, look at it. Well, beings are death machines. It's just kind of how it is. You know, yeah. you're always going to end up destroying something just for being here. So, yeah. but so you can so only happens, do that to a certain extent. You know, like so what like, happens? Try with, to perfect that. Yeah, so what happens with compassion, though, is you hear the word compassion and you're like, well, wait a minute, like, uh, the, these, this clothing, like, was produced in some factory in, like, you yeah, know, with like not good conditions. Like, I don't want, I don't want to support that, you know? And then and you so stop it's supporting like it producing... and that person doesn't have a job and they make half the living they made before, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Like, yeah, exactly. It, it so goes on forever. <laughs> yeah, so you can't look into it in that way. You just need to try to reduce harm as much as you can, you know? And, like not have these big like sort of rules and a new set of like 10 commandments for ourselves. It's not about no. what right livelihood is about, you know? I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head, man, the middle way. You wouldn't, you yeah, can't forget so, the rest. And then we have right effort and right effort is like the, you know, the really big one also that Westerners uh, are really not getting a lot, um, you know? And I know this is somebody who just, I just didn't get it specifically what, what's the because- the thing you could tell like, me like to try to like help with it like get the understanding you did like with right effort like if you could um, just sum it up 
if I could sum it up, uh, like or you can talk about it as long as you want. I got all night. (laughs) uh, Replace. So replacing a state that you're in, that is uh, a hindrance on the path, and finding and and finding some other way. So like like. Yeah, I mean, the Buddha lays it out so so well of saying like there's 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 four different things that you can do, or maybe it's five. I can't remember of how to get out of a like this sort of unwholesome state, this hindrance state, and just not realizing that it's possible. Uh, for a while, I thought the world is depressive, and I want to face reality as it is, and uh, like. It, it just was wrong. It just was wrong view. Well, it that just, was just, it just a was complete lens it. of, you know, BS you're throwing on top of reality that it's right. depressive. Like, it doesn't right, exactly. have to be, but you can be depressed, right. and then that's a valid experience right. because you're holding that view. And so my or, wrong, or that, my wrong, yeah, my wrong led. effort is allowing, is allowing myself to stay in that state and not yeah. changing it and not so realizing that I have to So basically control. moving toward less suffering Wholesome. in a sense, too, and... More wholesome activities, thinking, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, This is from the suttas. Uh, He says, and what is right effort? Here the monk arouses his will, puts forth effort, generates energy, uh, uses his mind, and strives to prevent the arising of evil and unwholesome mental states that have not yet arisen. Uh, Yeah, That's this is the other uh, important part, is that seeing that what to do when a state has uh, not yet? Uh, so, so when we have, there's four different possibilities. So we're in, we're in a negative mind state, and we know that we're in a negative mind state. We're in a negative mind state, and we don't know that we're in a negative mind state. We're in a positive mind state, uh, and we're not aware of that, or positive and positive. Uh, you know, and the Buddha does this often because it's like an easy way of remembering things. Uh, but basically, he gives you tips for like, how is it that when an unwholesome state has arisen, what do we do with it? Or what do we do with states of mind when they haven't arisen yet? Well, obviously, that's pretty easy. Just keep going with what you're doing. You know, uh, if an unwholesome state hasn't arisen, then just keep generating the wholesome, you know. Okay, so he says he arouses his will and strives to eliminate evil and unwholesome mental states that have already arisen. He arouses his will and strives to generate wholesome mental states that have not yet do you think arisen. That was, do you think that was a mistranslation, the word strive? Do you think that was someone like picked just a bad word for that and now it's just spread because like some idiot just like Right, yeah, it, 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 wouldn't be, it wouldn't be striving because you're actually doing it. Yeah, strive yeah. sounds like try. Yeah, you it's don't like try, you just do. trying to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is no try. And this is how you have to read the suttas is with an ear for this, especially like if you read Bhikkhu Bodhi's translations, like he's the one that uh, has done a lot. I find his translations very misleading very often. Um, and just for my personal practice, he's obviously like an awesome guy because he's like, I don't want to like disparage the guy for doing like massive amount of translation work. He's translated everything. Uh but like at the same time, I, I find some other translations more useful uh, often or comparing them from different traditions can be useful uh, or just using your common sense and being like, wait, that doesn't make sense. You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah. And then yeah. arouses his common goal, sense puts- is huge on the path, man. That's that's understated. It's the importance of just actually like people reject. I feel like because this is something that I did for years was like 
rejecting our intellect, rejecting common sense. It's like, oh, that's just monkey mind. And it's like, no, dude, like, actually, like, think about uh-huh. this, think it through. You yeah, know, I don't think that Buddha more. would like that, would really use that term that much. Or at least yeah. he would say he would have a lot of, he would have other terms for intellect in a positive way. I mean, in, in Hinduism, there there are, you know, frames that that talk about mind in a rather positive way, you know, opposed to just like, it seems like a really new age spiritual thing to get all attached on this idea of monkey mind and like hate the intellect, hate thoughts. And it's like, okay, we just hate, we just, you know, pushed away and created a version to you know, our sixth sense door forever. That's going to work, right? <laughs> yeah. And a, com- a common not. one that people get hung up with when they first hear about the next factor on the path, which is uh, like right mindfulness or right sati, is I've heard all the time from people, they're like, okay, so I'm not supposed to think about the future. I'm not supposed to think about the past. How do I plan? How do I like get anything done? I'm only here in the present. So like, I just have to be aware of like what I'm doing. And like, then well, they get it well, in the their mind. The future like, and the past are in the present. So right, you know, it's exactly. not a problem. Yeah. That's, <laughs> but it's, definitely, it's Joe, definitely a leap for a lot of people. That's exactly what I was talking about. I actually forgot what I was talking about. What did you just say? I had a really good point. Uh, um, I was talking about some. Sam- oh yeah, Sati. the future and the past. The future and the past. Like, that's exactly what I was talking about with like resisting my own sense of self and creating even more resistance through yeah. spiritual ideas. It's yeah. like you're creating even more resistance. Like when you're thinking, don't think of the present, don't, don't think of the future, don't think of the past. It's like, it's like all this tension. Yeah. And it's some, it's samasati. It's right mindfulness. It's not just raw mindfulness. You know, this is a thing, right mindfulness, samasati. You know, this is the factor on the path. Would, would that just you know? be mindfulness directed toward wholesome objects? is a way to say that or like how would you break that down uh wrong wrong mindfulness it's easiest to use an analogy wrong mindfulness is being in war and very focused on your gun that you're aiming at somebody and you're very mindful of your like pulling the trigger and killing somebody that's wrong mindfulness (laughs) you know like so the where the where the focus of the mindfulness just because it's unwholesome right right exactly yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And then yeah. we have what? Samadhi and then wisdom. And left. then samadhi. Yeah, and that's and that's no that, that's it. And then you have oh, there's not samadhi. Wisdom. it's what leads to wisdom, right? The noble eightfold. So wisdom isn't on the eight or is it part of No, it? wisdom wisdom is, is there's there's a there's like three categories of, of like the within the practice. So like the the wisdom is like within it's like the two different factors within that, you know, and so it's the uh, the first two, I believe, it's right view and right in te- right intention or uh, right aspiration, right motivation. Those first two <clears throat> are sort of like the like wis- wisdom section, if you will, of the okay. noble eightfold path. The next three are the sila section. Um, so then you get the right speech, the right action, right livelihood. Uh, and then the last two are kind of like the practice uh, itself, you know, uh, and that's the right effort and or, or, sorry, the last the last three. So it's the right effort, the right mindfulness and the right concentration. You know, those are like the things that you're that you're that you're doing uh, the super the super mundane, if you will, of of the the thing, you know. I wish I had my my other book with me just to verify, but I, I'm I'm I've read it so many times. I'm pretty confident that that's how it is. Um, yeah, 
But I think, but just to stick to something I am really confident about, to stick to the right mindfulness thing, it's it's just it's just to have all the other factors together with us. And it's the same with samadhi. samadhi. It's samma samadhi, you know? And so it's like, there can be a wrong samadhi. Like that, <laughs> that is, that Probably is possible. Mine, right. <laughs> and the, and the Buddha puts out what is like wrong. And like he says in one of the suttas, he says each of these, what is right and what is wrong. Uh, I think it's the, the great 40 or something like that is, uh, the one that best, uh, says it is the sutta that goes over the noble eightfold path. The best, definitely another one to check out. And what is that? See. Which, uh, what number is it? Uh, well, yeah, which no, yeah, what number? Uh, one seventeen. Okay, so Majima Nikaya. Right? Yeah, 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 and that one's yeah. <clears throat> I think that's yeah. one of them that Damarado was telling me to do, like one. 17 and 119 were like the best places to like start yeah but starting with 119 first and then reading that's what uh, he said he said 119 118 and then 118 and 117 yeah exactly and i don't think i've looked at 117 yet but yeah look look at it's awesome 119 and 118 yeah 117 is on a panasati right yeah and what's 119 called mindfulness of the body mindfulness of the body yeah that was where it was talking about, like, your body's going to be decayed and, like, some, like, grave, like, all the parts. And it, <laughs> all makes, it, makes, it makes sense, right? Because you're, like, if you're not aware of your physical body, if you're just, like, completely just in the air, like, you've got to become, like, grounded and aware of your body. It it's always starts there. Every meditation for me, that's, that's step one, uh, is, like, awareness of the body, you know? Like, that's traditionally how it's taught in like almost every Thai force teacher I've had uh, when they do a guided meditation, they're always like awareness of the body for at least the first like five minutes. Yeah. Even in heartfulness, when uh, we always started with a like relaxation that basically went through like a bunch of different, like small body parts. Like basically it would go through the whole body, like, you know, relax this part of the body, relax this part of the body and you'd go through the whole body and by the time you go to actually meditate you're already in that rather relaxed state yeah yeah i i mean it's it's just useful in everyday life of what we were getting at with dog too that like when things get overwhelming like that's the place to focus is the body you know and and to see our mind jump to the the negative like what I've, i've just because it's so present in my mind what I've recently noticed is whenever I get overwhelmed by emotions uh, and then I go to my body, it immediately goes to the negative sensations. And it doesn't notice that there's also a lot of sort of neutral and positive sensations within my body at the same time. Um, and it's like, wow, wow that's kind of interesting that like I feel like anger and like I immediately will feel it. The attention goes to my throat. What about my feet? Like I'm like I, I obviously well, have some. I would say there too. genetically and socially, psychologically, whatever, we're we're set up to be problem solving machines. So when there's yeah. a problem, it's the most yeah. notable thing. It's like go look at this, go look okay, at and this, so, and fix this one. Don't you know? <laughs> but but and this is a really important subject because we are set up like problem solving machines. 
And what does our mind do when there's no more problems to solve? And that's it's what like, hey, meditation. Let's make a new one, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Let's get going. And go to go to <laughs> any like, go to any it. meditation community or any sort of like uh, monastery, and you'll see it in action. I remember uh, being at a monastery and them getting in an argument for 45 minutes about what they were going to do uh, about these frogs that were in this pond, and the frogs were eating the slugs. And they felt responsible for the death of the slugs because they had created this pond. And I was just sitting there like, are you guys like in like aware of like reality right now? Like all of us are coming to your monastery and like, like there's like so many other problems that you're discussing, like, like whether you're causing the frogs to kill by creating a pond situation. I was just like, Oh my God. Like they are just creating problems that are not there, but our minds love to do that, especially in the West where everything is great. Like realistically, we are well-fed we are well housed. It just takes going and traveling to any other place and seeing their reality and being like, holy shit, I have everything so well. And yet I'm creating all kinds of internal problems for myself. And I'm not able to handle talking to other people who also are clearly doing that, you know, yeah, who are like, yeah, yeah. what's, what's your career going to be? And you're like, I, I don't know. Like, I like I I have no idea, but there's something within me that starts to then create a problem and a panic for myself because it's like, holy shit, I'm getting pretty old, and got to think about retirement. What's gonna happen when my body doesn't work anymore? And oh my god! But the reality is, is like, how many people are starving in the world and that we live in, that we're present in? Like none. It's not. It's not happening. You know. It's just like you literally have to be in like Appalachia or something like that. And we're not, you know, because I, I got this argument from somebody, an American who they were like, well, I think there's probably some like, like people that are really like inbred living in, in like West Virginia, Appalachia, that uh, probably are starving to death because they're so remote. And I was like, but you're not that person and you'll never become that person. You know, like there's no stretch of the reality for you right now where you will ever be a person who will ever starve to death unless you like put yourself in some stupid survival situation uh you know it's an yeah unrealistic like the chances of it happening is so low like it's a so plane, low. plane crashes on a desert island yeah it's... yeah it's it's so incredibly low that like it's just not something to worry about but the first thing you will hear from everybody when you talk to them is like you know as somebody who has like sort of an untraditional lifestyle they're like well aren't you like scared like what are you gonna do like when you just like you know like, like how, like how, like what's your future going to be when you're like 65, 70? And I'm like, I have, I have no idea. Yeah. I remember, I remember when I was in university, I was, um, we were looking, I was looking for a house and I was doing a house show with a, a mate of mine. And, um, I think there was like one of these houses had like a problem with the smoke alarm or something, which actually, that is actually a realistic, like a situation. Like, you yeah, that's actually house a problem. And he was like, <laughs> and he, and he, um, but he, but it was something you could fix. Like we could it's move into this house yeah. and get it fixed, right? Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't like this house because of the smoke alarm issue. Like, what if the house burns down?" And I was like, "Well, we could just like get it fixed, like man. Like we're talking about living in a house for a year, like right. <laughs> at least, right? It's like right. a smoke alarm is like 10, 15 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're grasping, yeah, like, and you're grasping onto this sort of reality that is not not actual reality there's nothing actually to be afraid of and our minds love creating problems 
when there aren't any problems. And especially when you get yeah, into meditation, like, yeah. but my favorite thing is like being in some sort of like uh, self like isolation period where I'm clearly safe and clearly okay. And just seeing what my mind comes up with for problems in that situation, you know, cause like it just keeps, it just keeps going and you just have to keep reassuring itself that it's all okay. You know, the money's okay. The, uh, you're, you're fine. You're well-fed, you're warm. Like there's nothing physically harming you or endangering you right now. But, um, yeah, but we've trained in the other way to be problem solvers you know, and our minds can't just shut down just like that uh, and see that there weren't any problems to begin with. Uh, it has to be a moment. And I, I'm not there yet. You know, I haven't gotten to the point where I can't create like false problems. I just speak of it because I see it all the time where I'm, you I'm have like, some wisdom. <laughs> I, like my, my new one for myself is, is that I say, I just see it constantly where like, I keep looking at my calendar over and over again, thinking that I should be doing more things or thinking that I'm forgetting something because I have so little on my calendar currently right now. Like I, I just, I don't have to do like for the next week, I don't have to do anything. And so I, you're a farmer my mind in the is, winter. I mean, of course, let's hope that that's the case. Right. <laughs> but even, but even in the summer, even in the summertime, the reality is, is that like, I'm still kind of choosing whatever, whatever it is, you know, like that's, that's, that's the reality is that like, I don't have to do, there's very few things I have to do. That's just how my life is set up. But my mind, it goes crazy because it's just so used to like being in college and then having jobs and having to meet people and fill out this form and fill out this and this bank account, this and this, that, then I'm like, wait a minute. I like, there must be something that I have to do. And I wake up and I'm like, holy shit. No, I, I don't have to do anything. But what, what, but what do I want to do? You know, what do I, what is my plan? Can I create something where I'm, I have a new way of looking at it without uh, creating this sort of like massive attachment there to it. And I feel I, like, yes. can, we, can, we, can we plan I, for the future I, without worry? I have worry. a bunch of stuff to do, but I'm just like, uh, we're good. <laughs> exactly and that's the way to do it and it works that's exactly that sounds like good you know you don't you i still don't have any catastrophes or you know right. i'm not homeless <laughs> or you know yeah. anything and that's you the know. way to do it and but but i and i i'm still doing things too uh and but like, i still like right get, now, make I'm, more problems for myself than i need for sure it's yeah. hard to get away from that yeah and so I'm, I'm like right now i'm building a little cabin for myself and like yeah, just the, the, the attitude towards it is exactly that attitude that you're getting at of like, okay, whatever. Like, if, if this gets done today, that's great. If not, that's great. You know, that's, that's the attitude to take with it and to not create these internal rules and be your own internal sort of like, you know, smacking yourself over yeah, and over slave again. slave master. It's like that yeah. master-slave relationship. You're whipping yeah. yourself into shape to do things. Yeah, that's one thing I try to tell yeah. people. Like, if they ask me for spiritual advice, like, I'm always trying to squeeze that in there. Like, don't be a slave master to yourself with this stuff because it's not yeah. it's not the right way to do it. <laughs> and it usually doesn't work that well. I catch I catch myself sometimes when I'm I'm like on my land and I'm like sitting under a tree, so I'm clearly following the Buddha's instructions. And I catch myself being like, 
Oh, but you're not, you know, when's the last time you've meditated by like sitting on your cushion in your meditation room? Like, oh, you know, because you got and that's like, yeah, it's, it's crazy though. Yourself. We're just like, oh my God, I cannot believe I'm still beating myself up like for this, like for not meditating enough. It's, it's so crazy that, yeah. Cause I, I'm like, oh, yeah. you're in, and you're in nature. It's and, so like, easy as well to conditions use and, meditation. And it's like the perfect excuse, right? <clears throat> It's the yeah. perfect excuse to beat ourselves up. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and then you just notice it, and then laugh at it, and and start again. And and yeah. look, you're meditating now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like Dan Morado says, it's like, well, you can meditate right now, and you already are because you just realize that that's a thought. So you're already meditating, yeah. so feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Easiest thing. I find it, I find it helpful to that. to like talk to you guys about it because then I can I can laugh at these ridiculous things in myself. You know, it's like you can step outside of your personality structure for a second. And be like, wow, like I mean, you guys can picture me. I'm like, I wake up in the morning. I'm like looking at my calendar, like a slight bit of panic, a slight bit of like, oh shit, I've got, I've got to get out and go do something, you know. And then I have to like calm myself down, like, and I do the same thing over Maybe and over you gotta again. Get I mean, it's, 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 an, it's almost. I feel like it's almost embarrassing, at least for me, to like just how much I actually have to self soothe to overcome things that I know are irrational. I know that this is a silly thing to worry about. But I'm actually having to like take a couple minutes to just breathe deeply and calm myself down. And you know, it's there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, I of course I will go through this process, but it's it's well, almost right effort, embarrassing right? to to but have to spend five minutes calming myself down over something I know is this ridiculous. Well, it's it's only like ridiculous to other people who don't understand what you're doing though, because like everybody else is like, why can't you just get on with it, you know? And like you're like, well, exactly, hey, yeah. well, you know, <laughs> like I've looked at my mind a lot, and it works in sort of a different way now. And I I'm just gonna have to take a minute because I know it's beneficial for me, and it might look weird to you, but I'm okay with that. I'm the weird guy anyways, so I'll take I'll take that five minutes, you know, and not feel weird about it because that's what is the most like kind thing to myself in this moment, you know, and yeah, you need a lot of nourishing because you've been doing the opposite for so long, you know, how many years of beating yourself up, you know, and like, I think you said that you were like a really good student, right? Um, in my last year of high school, before that, I wasn't amazing. Okay. Let's just say. But you're beating, but you're beating yourself. Oh, up in, in university I was. Yes, in university I was very, very right. studious. That's I what put it all was. my stuff in on time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, like, obviously, like your method of doing that was probably to like beat yourself up yes. a lot. You know. Yes, and I was extremely like, like disciplined, like, and it was it was all like it was fear, like, and and um, and negativity that I used to motivate myself. And then when I got yeah. into meditation, I did the same thing, and I had this really bad habit of, um, and I still have a really bad habit of bullying myself to do to take right action to do the right thing to motivate myself i actually make myself feel worse in the moment to do it and it's um it's really hard to break here yeah. yeah to actually be motivated while still to be motivated without worrying about things to be motivated to you know finish my degree and get a high paid job without worrying about the future is extremely difficult right. for me and so you just, you take the moment that you're in and that is the moment when you're like, okay, I'm focused on the task that I'm doing right now uh, with a lightness and a freedom. Uh, and you carry this freedom attitude with you through that task that you know is necessary. And you skillfully decide 
this is a time when I need to think about the future and I need to plan for the future. I'm going to set aside a time for myself to do that and focus on that. That's and, and yes, now, and then you don't and have to worry about time. it because you know you have yeah, a special. Exactly. You already had it. You already did that. Goal. I yeah, and especially it won't come up in like meditation or anything because you're like I I've, I've already done that. And when it does come up, yeah. you're like, wait a minute, I don't need to think about that. I've already done I it. I need to think about you know? that. I have my special time. Yeah, that's that's so actually you, quite genius. Right now I might do that. I gotta get I, I gotta get a, like an electric I gotta get an electric hookup uh, at my farm, and uh, like I, I'm just like kind of procrastinating about the talking to an electrician basically, and the number of times I've had the conversation with the electrician in my head, versus like <laughs> you know I, I only have to have one conversation for about ten minutes, but like the n- amount of time that I've thought about it otherwise, and it's like. Wait a minute! It's totally irrational. You know, it's yeah, not like getting. Yeah, I've, I've I've been doing the same thing, and Brandon is because I've been procrastinating this for about a month now, like a month, like like getting my piercing changed. Like I was, I meet. This is like the piercing they gave me, like when I first got it done, and now it's been like uh-huh. a couple months. Like I can go back and get the piercing changed, and like I bought all this jewelry, but like I can't use it because like I keep procrastinating, just calling and booking the appointment at the piercers, and I can't do it because it's Saturday today, and then. The first five days of the week come around again and it's like oh i'll do it tomorrow i'll do it tomorrow i'll do it tomorrow and a month <laughs> later i still haven't changed this changed the, the piercing and it's like what it's like that's, that's a, not even like a okay. problem like that's a, that's a fun thing to do it's like it's not even yeah. difficult you just you're calling someone to go do something that will bring you like happiness yeah. it's not even like a, <laughs> and it's yeah. okay and it's okay to like to like not get it done too it's it, it's just more yeah. it becomes yeah. a problem when it's well like, that's exactly why i keep procrastinating it because it's like it's a it's it's such a trivial thing you know like i know that it's just like yeah but when you go over in your head you're like you're like okay you're playing yeah. out the future scenario of like what it's gonna feel like what it's going to be like like and you keep like playing out this future yes. scenario of yes. like how you're going to talk to this person what you're going to say to them and like that's when it becomes a problem because you're like okay i mean i'm just i'm just spending way too much time on this and it's not mm. getting done so the best way to yeah. get things done is to realize that like sometimes i like i like looking up stories of like different monks in other people's lives and stuff like uh sadhguru is a good example of this where like the amount of projects that dude has worked on is absolutely incredible you know and you're like how the hell do you manage to like get all this stuff down? Tick tick the Hans the same way. Like when you look at his life history, you're like, holy shit, he did a ton of different things in different ways. And he like is uh, is like managing to like do a, like the number of books and all this stuff. Well, how does that happen? You know, it's like they're not superhuman. You have that ability within you too. I don't know, man. Uh, I think I think I think there's there's a certain level people reach when their mind is so naturally purified that um that you can which just you be like can reach also, which, which you can which you also have within you yeah i was and talking so- to a guy last night um for about eight hours who had um he'd, he'd um he, he was a sotapanna i think and he was saying to me like like after he he got his um like his realizations and stuff and like his progress that he has a lot more like physical energy even because it's true like he was actually saying like we already have all this physical energy but we have all this negative thoughts and mind chatter and stuff obscuring over the top of it and he says that now that he's removed all of that like to be productive for him it's actually not even hard because he just because that energy is all available to him now because he doesn't right. have because his, his default his like his default state i guess you could say yeah is is already so um so 
so peaceful, so purified of unwholesome thoughts and emotions. Yeah. So I think I think there is a certain superhumanness that some of these guys have tapped into. But what? Yeah, and and they have, but but you also have that with you. So like like you have that ability right now to also tap into this, and that's the key. Is that like you have the ability to maintain this attitude and this this right attitude towards uh, these these sorts of things, you know, and like to change your way of thinking. It's totally within you. And so when we separate it and we are like, well, they were, it's, it's sort of a mental thing that we do is we were like, well, they, they must've just been born a saint or something like, you know, like, it, like there must just be something that's different about them. But no, it's like, it's like an ongoing process and an ongoing like thing. And yeah, you know, and the opposite happens too a lot that people get into like spiritual circles and then all of a sudden they like, they really don't get anything done and they become very selfish. And uh, I, I've seen that a lot, you know, that people, they're, they're misconstruing the teachings a little bit and not really understanding that it is possible, like Brandon I said. Mean, you can to... just call me out if you want to talk shit about me. No, but you just were just say saying. say my name. <laughs> but you were just saying, like, how you can get things done and kind of have a laissez-faire attitude towards it. And then well, miraculously, you're never gonna you fix get more all the problems done. in life, no matter what, you know, all the problems, you know, so you only fix one at a time, just be a chill, no matter what, for the most part. I mean, there are some things that require a bit of, you know, speed and gusto, but for the most yeah. part, it, you can just let the things roll in yeah. and. Oh, you know, and miraculously at the end of it, you'll find that the turtle wins the race. You know, it's like the turtle yeah. and the hare again. You know, exactly. of like you just you just like you take care of one yeah, thing at a time yeah. and eventually it's it's not just a metaphor, it's actual reality. Uh like often when people would ask me about my last farm where they were like, Holy shit, how did you plant all of that shit? Like you must have had a ton of people working here. And I was like, Well, I was here for five years and I didn't have a job. So like how much time do you think that I had to plant things? You know, like you're used to working in your garden for like a couple hours at a time. I was spending eight hours a day, every day in my garden. Of course, the yep. whole thing is going to be filled with plants. Like, do you have uh, any sort of understanding of this? You would you know? hope but so. But like, yeah, you'd hope, <laughs> yeah, you'd yeah. hope that it'd be filled with plants, you know? But people were so amazed all the time. They're like, oh my God, it just, it just can't be possible. And you're like, it, like, it's not even hard. It's, it's really not because, yeah, it's just one thing at a time, though. You just you take one task and you focus on that task. And if your task has to be planning for the future, then you just spend the time doing it for that little amount of time that you do. And that's it. You know, if your task is healing childhood trauma, maybe that's what you want to work on for a little while. You know, you're like, you know, what? I'm going to set a little bit of time uh, aside for myself so that I can work on like just comforting the inner child within me, you know, and not a lot. I'm not going to like make my whole life about it, you know, but every once in a while it's worth it to spend an hour and do some sort of, you know, whatever, whatever we all have trauma of some sort. We all, uh, trauma is a bad word. We all have some sort of past, uh, like stuff within us that, uh, we've suppressed. Yeah. Baggage. Yeah. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time dealing with it instead of thinking about dealing with it. Yeah, for, yeah. Instead of it coming up randomly you know? throughout the day and just interfering yeah. with whatever I'm doing and spoiling yeah, my, exactly. my yeah. flow state. Yeah. 
I mean, for that, I like there's a few like inner child meditations that I haven't done one in a long time, but like, uh, yeah, every I don't know, like three months or six months or something like that, I'll do one, and like you're like, okay, well, that's that's all that it is, and people can get really hung up on this. And I've been in a lot of spiritual circles where they're like constantly talking and thinking about uh, like healing trauma, getting back to this original pure state, and you're like, hey, you know, like the pure mm -hmm. state is right right now and it's again right now you know and you get really hung up on the past and that's so these are the two really things good. to get to not get hung up and it's a very easy solution is like set time aside so that you do this and not too much time you know because you know how much time you realistically need you don't need to dig into your shit like over and over and over again you know my i my ex-wife she like spends like one of the problems in our relationship is like it'd be like every day she'd be like doing some sort of like childhood trauma healing shit you know like some new shit and i was just like oh my god like you gotta like function you know like you can't spend like three hours a day like yeah you know you can't you you know you probably uh you know you're supposed to let people do what they are gonna do but after I could surgery you don't have to keep ripping the organ right. out every exactly. day to look at it exactly. and then think and then that, have that as some type of healing like right you know let maybe you look at it and you understand it and you process it and then you for you let you it put do a bandage, its thing for a while and you put a bandage on it and you maybe put some some moisturizer on it and then you wait and then you let time and then you do an x-ray next time instead of ripping exactly. it out exactly yeah <laughs> And I've, I mean, honestly, I mean, I've been there too. I mean, like when I was really into like ayahuasca and stuff, like I was really like, I just gotta like, just keep digging into my shit like over and over again and go deeper and deeper with ayahuasca. And like, eventually like this is just, and then I was like, holy shit. I mean, that's, this isn't actually gonna end ever. There's never gonna be a moment where whatever that difficult memory is that is that we're carrying with us is going to be completely eliminated but I can relate to it in a different way. I can smile at it. I can mm. like, just Why would be okay you with want it. To I be think that sounds like amnesia instead of right. like being a person. Well, it sounds like, you know? it sounds like some glorified spiritual woo woo ultra rare, isn't realistically ever going to happen in your lifetime. Super massive jump in progress that for yeah. some reason have just been blown up over the years into just a huge big deal. Like you always yeah. hear like, I had this sudden moment in my psychotherapy session where I realized the truth of my trauma. I let it go, never suffered from it again. Yeah. Come on. The best one is Eckhart Tolle yeah, well, in the beginning I'm sure of The Power of Now. Intro books, of that book that is like misled so many really people. Works that way. <laughs> I was suicidally depressed and I suddenly had a thought, who is going to kill me if I'm me? Woke up, literally never suffered again, bro. I'm done, bro. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I, I don't Come know. on, how many guys does that happen to? Like one in a million, dude. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, they it get so glorified in our culture and yeah. stuff because it's like so it's we, so cool, yeah. right? It's so easy to why we focus on, you know, the nibbana for everyone, not exactly. nibbana for you know, point okay, zero 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 one percent of the population exactly. is the method you want to choose to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
Yeah, totally. Totally, I think is really interesting because I, I agree that it does mislead people and think that because this happened to somebody else, it must happen directly that way for me. Dude, I know? went through like and... I meditated until I basically up until I started learning from Damarato, which is kind of why I'm starting to become why my pendulum's swinging so far the other way now to like the Damarato, like wake up now, now okay, you know, like was because like I meditated for like years, like three years, pretty much like meditating almost every day. And making I, my actual happiness, like I made progress. I, I was able to get into jhanas temporarily, not off the cushion. And I was able to, you know, my technique, of course, it improves, right? Obviously, but my actual baseline, like state of happiness and my mood didn't improve. But I always told myself, this is normal, right? This is fine. I'm not supposed to make progress now because it's all building up, right? It's all building up to the sudden moment where it's just going to snap and I'm going to become awake. And this was like my belief because that's what I've been told. That's what like all the famous like book stuff and say, right? Like like the books all talk about like the sudden moment of awakening um, instead of like the gradual shift of becoming actually like happy as a person. And so I would never, I never actually thought it was a problem that I was like not progressing in my actual like, uh, like actual well, you were, like, you were any you were anyways and you just didn't notice it, you know? So it's, yeah. it's okay. And it's like you said, like, like some of those skills come in handy now. Because like they're very transferable to gladdening the mind. It, natu it naturally is is doing itself also. If you're meditating and following some sort of tradition, it's naturally working. It's it's magic, anyways. You know, is the thing that that I see. Because we can beat ourselves well, up about it and be like, <clears throat> I spent so much time doing this like wrong practice, and then that's unwholesome too, you know. And not seeing that, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, yes, that's and, a good and point. My that's a good experience point. with this is like I've had. I mean, at least, you know, one specific shift that seemed to make a huge difference that was rather sudden. I mean, really, a, a number of them, but none of them work as but well the exception. As, the, as building the skill. No, I'm not saying I'm the exception. I'm saying they still didn't work for my happiness as yeah. a whole as yeah. well as building the skill to become happy now and i yeah. would say joe yeah. probably agrees with me because he i think you've had a similar sudden yeah. shift happen to you and you still come here and stick with Domorado, and there's probably a reason for that i'm assuming it's yeah. about the same for you yeah i mean i, I like it's just an experience yeah. you know it's like it's like i i don't even know what to, to make of it anymore because like i i've I framed it in so many different ways and in so many different like storylines around that specific experience or whatever and other experiences too, you know, like, but they're just, they're just experiences and what has actually shifted my actual reality right now is all those other moments that I have worked on, you know, that, that are not so in focus in my mind because each one is just as important like as each other one. You know, like yeah, when really I woke good. up to reality, they're just as important for building these skills, for building on themselves, you know. And yeah, I mean, like if you keep holding out for experience, this this is what our society does. Though It's not just in meditation. It's also when you talk to somebody like I'm in my age group, I run into a lot of people who like burned out at their jobs. <clears throat> and, and then they and then they talk about their recovery from how they burned out from their job. And they're like, <clears throat> and one day. I, I was just, you know, 
just I figured it out, and I haven't had those feelings since then. And you hear this story all the yeah, time, and it's, yeah. and it's a repetition. Oh my god! You do. It's like, yeah, and then you'll bottom. hear that same then story. I just two decided years to from count now, down from, from the same five, person. and I got exactly. out of about a different uh, situation. So yeah, it'll say, well, you know, I I wasn't happy after that, but you know, this yep. new experience really changed one things, insight, and then they're really the yeah. same person. Yeah, with and, the same problem. For me, what it's been with like specifically with depression and dealing with depression for a long time, the length of time before I catch myself is so much significantly reduced. That's the big shift, you know, and the big shift like is not this sort of I'm never going to be stuck in bed again. It's never going to happen again. Like I had that happen and I woke up and that's just it, you know, but like the reality yeah, is like how quickly you're going to go back to sleep as soon as something like. Something bad comes off in your life, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of people they go for a really long time living in delusion, and they they might not have and they don't like, prepare they might, themselves because of that. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And so I'm ready for the next time that some wave of emotion comes because I'm not scared of it anymore because I've explored it so deeply for so many hours. I know all of its facets. I know all of its tricks. I you know, and I have my own tricks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. You, you know? liar. <laughs> No, I no, do. You don't, I, I you don't do, know though. all of its tricks. No, I guarantee all, you there's okay. going to be a trick that's going to come up when you're like 60 years old that's going to completely blindside you and you're going to be like depressed for a week, bro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but I but when I'm in the moment and that's so so here's so here's the difference is that I might get the depression and it might come up, but I know the tricks that my mind does to increase that, to make it worse. For me personally yes, what happens yes, yes. is it's like Oh my God, like it's so much effort to like get up and to eat or to go for a walk or to exercise or to have sunlight. That's just so much work right now. And that's my my little mental game that I have with myself. And it's like, why don't you just keep laying here and like, you know, just 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 be here and then and then it'll just all go away, you know? Like if I just like keep laying here, and this is the this is what I'm saying when I'm like, I know the facets of it because I know the facets of it that's building on itself. And when that mind comes in and it's talking to itself and it's like, okay, so you're feeling depressed and you're not being an internal coach right now. You're actually dragging yourself down more and you're watering those negative mm. seeds within yourself instead of watering the positive seeds that are also within you, you know? And you know the that's things, a, they're, a, so, yeah. they're so obvious. Like all these people who take like these courses and things like that on studying depression, it's like that's actually it's so an excellent simple. point. It's so simple. Yeah. It's really e yeah. it's really easy. You yeah. know, don't be scared of it. Don't don't think that like this is going to like run my life and this is a permanent state. It's impermanent. It will change. You know, but reminding yourself of this, being conscious of it, like consciously bringing it up in the present moment, like this is going to change. It's impermanent. It's not a permanent depression state, you know, like, and not being fearful. Okay. So if it, if it happened and I was 60 and I was depressed for a week, so what, you know, like there could be, a, there could be a situation, you know, I could have something really, I don't know, really bad happen and my body might need to rest for a week, you know, and that's just reality, but not being fearful of it and thinking, oh my God, my life is ruined permanently and I don't see a solution out of this problem, but I can fix anything there isn't anything in the world that i can't fix you know that attitude change that's the big shift it's not the awakening the quick sort of momentary thing um that happens but it's this sort of attitude shift that gradually happens of like 
I can handle this. Anything life throws at me, I can handle. Because I've handled crazy shit up to this point. You know, I'm not scared anymore. You know? It's just, I think you're right, man. I think yeah. if, if that's, a, that's a really good way of um, framing it as well. I've handled everything up to this point. So, like, what's, what's the probability that I'm going to handle the next thing? Very, very high, realistically. And I was, I was, I was actually falling into, a, into that same nitpicking trap that we just talked about when I, when I discouraged you. And I said, no, you can't. You, you're being a moron. Like, in a couple of years, you're going you're gonna to get depressed again for, like, a long period. You know, this happens to everyone. But I was actually nitpicking. That's a very small portion of your life that that's going to happen. Right. The rest of your life, you right. are going to be able to handle everything. So why was I nitpicking right. and focusing on this one tiny negative thing? The the frogs are eating the slugs in the pond at our monastery. Yeah, but like, look how you've got a monastery to like live in, and like you have all these monks like teaching each other, and it's like, and all these people visiting it, right? I was actually yeah. falling into that same very trap. So thanks for pointing that out. That's a it's a really good point. It's because it's because you're scared. You're scared of it because you've heard so many horror stories that are not reality. Yeah. And people and like, say I, I noticed that in myself. I'm again. scared of that that week of depression that I know is going to come up like in a couple of years or a couple of months what? that I know. I'm worried about it. But just like Who cares. I I can handle it, and that's only going to be a week, and then the rest of my time is going to be like this. Or when so you notice it, that? it might be it might be less than a week. You know, that's been my experience, anyways. Is like. I just don't get depressed for more than like a day anymore. And most of the time it's like half a day. And I was somebody who was, it was just not like that before, you know? And yeah, that's yeah. the true, that's a true shift for me. And, and just seeing it minimize and minimize. Like my ruts have become you know? shorter. Like my ruts have, I still would, I still would definitely not say I'm the kind of person who wouldn't fall into like a depression that lasts a week or a couple of weeks. But, but definitely my ruts in general are becoming shorter. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, an overconfidence in practice is like a huge thing. So being realistic is is great, you know, and being like, hey, this is realistically where I'm at. This is actually my reality. Because what you were getting at before, uh, when you're talking about other people's experiences and stuff, is we're all lying to each other and we're all telling ourselves of like each other a false reality we're all, that we're all dressing up to go to work in the suit when we're just yep guys who sit with basketball shorts on or fucking like joggers exactly. and watch tv at the end of the day but we're all exactly. walking yeah. into the office in these polished suits with speaking Hello, our sir. perfect nice language with no profanity. yeah all that jargon and crap it's all yeah. it's all bs everybody's trying to maximize what their states feel like yeah everybody's descriptions and have the most blown up descriptions ever and yeah. you know i've done that to you rob I'll tell you now, like, I probably have oversold a lot of things. Or probably not, maybe, I don't know. Give me an example like, of something you point, oversold. I want an example. Know, Let's this, make this real. Just, Let's make this practical. I don't know about it. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, there were plenty tell me, of, tell me the of, lies. of, Reveal of attainments that I claimed um, after I had my first cessation that were uh -huh. probably way oversold. But, you know... The idea but is cool like, okay, but, but that's not time. also to minimize that like, cool things happen with perception, you know, like this is the reality of life, you know, is that because I know I've heard you talk about some of this stuff, too. And then I've heard Rob say, I, I don't know about like Brandon and this like not feeling gravity thing, you know, and I mean, like, that's but, still here, man. It's but yeah, that, but, cool. <laughs> but honestly, honestly, I can say that, like, if you if you push your mind in a certain direction, that certain weird perceptual shifts can occur but it's not it's not yeah. to be like soft. Dude, that's that's dude that, 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 it doesn't I matter say that when i was if, talking about magic I and ever... shit, that's exactly what i'm talking about like weird 
altered states of consciousness, bro. That's what if I should have said. I have heard anyone my, tell uh, me that, that there would be a state uh, where you wouldn't feel like gravity working the same way. And it could be called, in a sense, like zero gravity is just a yeah, like, so, yeah, way like to shortly describe state, it. Yeah. And I started chasing after that state. I probably never would have gotten to this right. place. Right. <laughs> this was just a side effect of practice that couldn't that I probably couldn't have really told was have told was going to occur. And we and we all get caught on it, too, because and like, it doesn't it doesn't matter that much for your happiness. It, it is like an extra thing to use to gladden the mind. You can just say, well, you know, shit kind of sucks, but at least I don't feel pulled down by gravity the same way anymore. <laughs> or, when you know, things things suck but i at least i can feel the the boundless space and consciousness aspects of the fifth and sixth jhana whenever i want but, but even they don't make you happier really in and of themselves they become so boring and it doesn't really matter like it's it's just it's just a different way and you're of, just, of yeah. perceiving and you're, and you're stuck and you're stuck with language unfortunately which is really bad at describing what it is because just like gravity is a concept right and so like yeah what like what i would describe could be the same thing is like a feeling that you're not separated from the outside world and that you can't tell where the air starts and your hand ends you know and like this happens sometimes and it could be kind of the same thing or this feeling of like melting into the couch sort of thing that like if i direct my attention in that way there is some sort of weird perceptual shift, but it's it's a natural function of our bodies and stuff. And all it takes is like taking enough psychedelics to be like, okay, well, it's just some weird thing that's triggered in my mind uh, that I can't explain it. I, I don't know what it is exactly, but it's not to be looked at and it, and it doesn't inherently mean anything, you know? Like it's not and that's inherently why, more that's meaningful. where I think people uh, will, will like the whole like Daniel Ingram's school of like measuring like paths and stuff gets really hairy is because they start to measure these paths by these weird perceptual right. shifts as like, and some people might not talk about it. Path. This means you're Arahant. And it's like, well, you know, if you look at those people by the old standards of like the fetters, almost none of them line up with anything yeah. on <laughs> soda pond and, and maybe, um, you know, I think, what is it? So, do you remember, is it Sokagami? Or is there another Sakagami. way? Sakagami. Sakagami, second path, Sakagami. yeah. Once a turner. It's Sakagami? Is it an S? Sakagami. I don't think it's S-A. I think it's Sokagami, maybe. Sakagami. I'm not going to make It's the hardest one to remember, to that's it. all I know. I'm not going to make it. But yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a big problem when you when you view this. And then, like, some people, they just, like, don't put their attention and their practice on these factors. Because for me, like, I, I did so many psychedelics that, like, this stuff is just, like, it always was totally uninteresting to me. Uh, and I just didn't focus my attention on it specifically because I saw... Oh, because you saw the <laughs> supernatural stuff when you took the psychedelics, right? The altered crazy perceptual shit. I mean, it just, I just became no normalized to yeah. him, it sounds like. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. So that, that became sort of yeah. Like, like, yeah, I mean, I can bring up, like, I mean, right now I can bring up mushroom visuals. I've, I've done it enough. Like, I, I know how to do it. You know, but what? like, what? Just to have just to like to have like to have a light oh. mushrooms experience to have like tracers and things like that. I mean, it's not, but that's but that's a natural process. Uh, it's a natural a normal thing in psychedelic circles. 
they yeah, call they call, it, what they call it about HPPD or something. I forget what it stands for. But like, is that normal? Hallucinogenic like perceptual psychic power. Or persistent like, perception disorder or something. Yeah, it happens to a lot of people that take okay. a lot of psychedelics. That's crazy. But, but it's not, That's but it's crazy. not, I'm not talking about like, it's that nothing you're on, to like, it's crazy to me. It doesn't, once you have that, it doesn't really make a difference in your life it's, to any real degree that's positive. Right. Yeah. Like and the it's flashiness not, of it's it not, wears off. Okay. Go, like, it's a full moon tonight. Go stare at the moon for two hours and see what happens. Like, I challenge you to honestly do that. Like, dude, I'm going to do that. Just do I'll it. take a video and I'm going to send it. It's a full moon. It's a full moon, and go stare Straight at the up. moon for two hours and see what happens to your visual field. Because or, I cannot or stare imagine at a candle something... for two hours and and then right. and then close your seems eyes to be really and like... fire casino. Yeah, the full moon <laughs> sounds kind of like kind of like spooky and exciting and like. Full moon seems to really do it though, because like you, you might have do some it in the cemetery. And... <laughs> and then you'll have some other other hallucinations. Yeah, like ceremonial. Too. No, but like. Oh, like, I'm, dude, I wish that was a cemetery nearby. Like I had, <laughs> I had to go through this. So I had to satisfy this like thing of like, like of experiences and seeking experiences and stuff, and then seeing like, hey, that's that's not I, like I honestly I don't think it has anything to do with any spiritual attainment or anything. It's just where I'm focusing my attention. And so what I realized after a while is like I put a lot of attention on these sort of experiences and sort of the natural healing that I thought would happen from psychedelics just because that was my idea of it and not a lot of focus on right living and not a lot of focus on living (laughs) in reality, you know? And so it was very imbalanced and yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of years doing that. And then at the end of it was like, wait a minute, I'm still no better off. I still haven't actually like, examined the realities of my anger and how it can hinder me on the path i still haven't examined like jealousy and all these other things Mm. that we know Mm. like it's yeah a great reframe for that i think is when these negative emotions come up instead of framing it as an unwholesome thought to get rid of frame it as a potentially wholesome previously unwholesome thought that could potentially become a wholesome learning experience so you remove the dukkha aspect, right. the actual essence of the jealousy remains, but without the suffering, right? So like right. the best way to do this that I found is um, a reframe that I got from Alex. Um, he says, good enough. So you say good enough. So you say, it's, it's okay that it's here, right? And another yeah. one is, I can make friends with this, right? So we just yeah. do that, we remove the suffering, and then we can just investigate, like, why is the jealousy coming up from like a place that's like already like not suffering from the jealousy, but investigate it. And now you can actually you get the best of both worlds. You get the investigation into the negative experiences to, to like learn from them and like see how like they're creating suffering from you and you don't have to suffer while it's happening. So like, I think- Or you can like, just yeah, cut out like the a, ill will that's anyways, sure. there and the jealousy and the hindrance and just say, wow, my room is really warm right now. This is a good Yeah, or you could just shift your attention to something Ooh, else and you know, forget about it. Yeah. But then you're at risk of not learning the lesson that jealousy has to teach. Not that there's well, anything I wrong mean, with that. If you've already learned the lesson a thousand how, times, like how the, lesson, many the lesson of jealousy, jealousy, jealousy other than the lesson of jealousy jealous. is not to be jealous. Yeah, the lesson of jealousy is to not be <laughs> That's jealous. That's all it is. You don't That's need very to have a bunch of intricate understandings of, of the way don't, that your mind is jealous <laughs> if you can just learn how to not be jealous and not do it. <laughs> yeah.